Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. From Asthma Core Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's Unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. All right. 177. Wow. I know, right? It's even down to one show a week. They're still just piling up. Can't complain. I'm Chris. I'm Aaron. I'm Rich. I prefer to think, I'm thinking of, the, of them as stacking up. Like in a pile seems like it's a bunch of garbage. You know, they don't, they're not piling up. They're stacking up nicely in a collection. That's true. The download numbers say they are not garbage. Right. <laughs> we're, start, we're starting to compete with the Weedsmen. Like since I said, oh, since, I, those since, numbers? since I signed up for this new statistic service, PodTrack, apparently go on us and look us up there that helps us. But it, we're, we're itching towards weedsman-like numbers with Unregiment. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you. It means people are listening. Each and every one of you that is listening to our voices and sharing it and telling a friend. Yeah. That's how it goes. So at this moment that we are speaking, and I just want to talk about this kind of briefly. I don't want to get too off on this subject because it's a, it's a whole mess. But... The moment we are speaking, there are Republicans trying to figure out what the worst move for them is. If it's going against this uh, health care bill and against Trump and trying to possibly run a campaign against uh, another conservative that's propped up by Trump, or if it's voting for it and pissing off their constituents and getting voted out of office by a, a uh, liberal who goes to the people and says, look, these guys are, are, are clearly liars. He said that they were going to provide you better health care, and they've taken it from you. So, I, that, I mean, it's, it's definitely schadenfreude. It's, uh, <laughs> there's a glee that I'm taking in other people's pain, but only because they put themselves in this situation for years of this boisterous talk of these big plans that they were going to do. And they got no excuses now. You got Congress. You got the president. You don't have a plan. Yeah, no, the fact that you went... For, to, today you went, wait, no, wait, no. We know we said we were going to do this today, but no, nope, mm-hmm. we're going to pull it back. We're going to bring it back for a third shot. Right. For the last eight years, so they've been sitting on the sidelines going, we can do better. Well, we got, We got this. And then what do they do? Hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as they get a chance to, to get a plan in action. And, and what's even crazier about this to me is the fact that what the conservatives are fighting about, they're of two minds. There are two different conservatives that are fighting this health care bill. There are, there are ones that are afraid of what's going to happen, how they're going to explain to their constituents that why they lost their health care and why... They voted for this bill in the first place. And then there's other conservatives that are saying that this has too much uh, entitlement in it. And, uh, and, and it's too lenient of a plan, and they want to cut even more from it. It's just not evil enough for them. You mean there's not enough tax breaks for people who are in the upper echelon of income in that, in that plan for I think, I think they're satisfied with the amount of tax breaks. They don't like the fact that there'll be uh, people with pre-existing conditions that will have easier access to health care. Although that's, it, it's convenient how a lot of these uh, 
a lot of conservatives are, are wording this because they, while the, the language from Trump was everybody's going to be covered, and now the language from the people who are actually seeing this bill and have to decide whether they're going to vote on it or not is, well, everyone's going to have access to health care. Well, yeah, genius. Guess what? We all had access. You know what else we have access to? Yachts. Mm-hmm. Just can't afford them. <laughs> right. <clears throat> I, can, I can access that. Hey, can I have that yacht? Yes, you can. You can get on it and ride it anywhere you want. Give me $5 million. Well, I don't have $5 million. Well, I guess you can't get on it then. Well, I think, I think and forgive me for the tinfoil hat, but, you know, I just, to me, it's just there, there's too much smoke to not be any fire here when it comes to what I'm about to say. I think that with the ACA and now whatever bastardized version that the Republicans are going to offer us. Trump what care, whatever it is, we're going to call it Trump care. Um. What what nobody knew that what they wanted to happen so has happened, which is <laughs> now your medical debt is as bad and goes against you and counts against you towards everything in life, just like that is if you went out and you know bought a car you couldn't afford. Is that what they really were going the for? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much it's pretty much to make a permanent underclass, I think. Like, um, can, I don't, I, I don't know, maybe white privilege, middle class guy, whatever you can give me from coming from from here. But <clears throat> there seems to be so much, so much of this alarmist way of language and thinking. And I'm thinking, like, it's only been five years. Like, it wasn't like been five years f- that of- this has been in. In action, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not like we were all wandering around, bumping into each other, like, bleeding out in the streets, like, in 2011. You just, like, you lived a life like I lived for so many years, like, let's just hope nothing happens. Let's just hope nothing happens. Well, and if something happened and you went, to the, you went to the emergency room and they patched you up and they sent you home if you didn't have insurance, you didn't get the, you didn't get the extended stay unless it was your life dependent on yeah, it. Yeah, they just, they just stopped and, you bleeding and sent you on your way. And, you know, when you went to go get a job or when you went to go run an apartment or anything like that and they checked your credit, your medical debt didn't count against you. Now it does. Well, I don't, okay. you know, uh, I'm not sure how this works, Rich. Um, it, I understand that when, when uh, creditors would look at a debt that was related to medical expenses, they were more lenient about it. I Is there an actual, was there policy in place that you couldn't, uh, you know, enact certain judgments of uh, higher interest rates or rejection of a, of well, a loan all, outright based on medical debt? First of all, your your health insurance status and your medical debt had nothing to do with how much you paid for car insurance. It does now. I did if you, not know if you, that. If you've switched to car insurance company or you've tried to update your policy, and you'll notice one of the questions they ask you is, do you have health insurance? Right. No, and then if you say yes, they ask you, you know, is it through your work? Is it private? Do you pay for it on your own, et cetera, yes. et cetera? If you say no, you automatically are paying a higher rate on your car insurance. Oh, that fucking lizard's a dick. Now, that's, that's even if you, if you carry full coverage, not just PLPD, state, you know, the minimum that we have to have in the state of Michigan. That's right, if you carry full coverage, yes. which means death and dismemberment and everything that comes with it. And you have, you know, like what I have up to $2 million to cover me for medical expenses that I pay for, you know, plus a deductible in, in just in case. And 
I mean, that wasn't that wasn't there five years ago. Okay, that wasn't there before the ACA was was put into into play. The ta- you, if you couldn't pay your fucking tax, if you couldn't pay the medical debt you had, you could still find a job, find a place to live without going and having them check your 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 credit and go, oh well, we can count this against you now. Whereas before, it didn't count on your credit score. Now it does. I've che- I checked my credit score ten years ago, and I checked my credit score recently. And it's amazing that no medical debt when I checked ten years ago was listed on my credit score, and now medical debt for the last five years is on my credit score. That's interesting. I I did not. I was not aware of that. You know, I've I've been off and on insured for probably the last decade, more so Nobody off than knew on. That healthcare could be so complicated <laughs> tonight. <laughs> Nobody knew. Nobody. Nobody knew. <laughs> I till Donald Trump said so. Nobody knew. So in a way, and and currently, and I've talked about this before. You know, I have a, a chronic con- condition that I need medication for, and I've found a way to purchase it overseas at a extremely reduced rate. And it just doesn't make sense for me to have health care unless I was considering, you know, catastrophic catastrophic event well till now isn't it like isn't it three or four years in they hike the fee at tax time where they go okay i'll get insurance now well that's well that's part of this plan i is that if you're if you're buying into the system after being uninsured for a period then you pay a higher rate and i think there was talk of it was like 25 or 30 percent more which is fucking considerable when you consider yeah. the, the cost know, from of- what i've heard it's like the first two years you don't have it, it's like seven hundred dollars, and then like year three or four it jumps to like twenty one hundred. Hmm. They but pretty maybe they, they, they have... pretty much go, All right, dipshit. At this point we are now going to make it more expensive for you to pay the penalty than to have insurance. Right. Therefore okay, and, making... and at what point is this not debtors at what point is this not we're going to punish you for not having money to carry health insurance? Because you can you can go through the you can go through the state and be turned down for all types of help, which I was, and so I just didn't have insurance. And then I found out that I had a Medicaid number for a year and a half that was never active, and I had to fight for the last six months to get it active. So, am I going to be responsible for the? Am I going to be on the hook for the, the last year and a half? Which I'm sure they'll just round up to two years so they can go ahead and get the full amount out of me that they're going to get. Yeah, and and keep my taxes. Of course I am, because they're never gonna they're never gonna they're never gonna make a forgiveness in my favor. I'm all we always have to forgive the government when they fuck up, and it's and it's and it's in our favor. You know, like oh we overpay something, we'll get it to you when we get a chance. We'll get your tax returns to you when we get a chance. You owe them money, they're gonna take it. They're gonna take it when they want it, how they want to take it. You have no fucking say so. I always tell everybody, Uncle Sam is the ultimate pimp. He always gets his money. He will find you. You you do anything with a social security number, mm-hmm. Uncle Sam's getting his loot. Well, but on on the subject of healthcare, you know, I, I guess I'm curious. I don't really know where most libertarians fall on on this issue. And while I have uh, identified myself as uh, as a libertarian only because I I really can't. That's like the closest. Uh, I can get to something that lines up most of the time with my principles. I'm in favor of socialized health care, 
but not because I'm in favor of socialism as a as a policy or as an idea, <clears throat> merely because that's really the best investment. That's the that is the best way to spend those tax dollars is making sure that your 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 people are healthy because it it pays for itself right actually investing in in some sort of socialized healthcare where you do cover everybody in your country it's expensive and it is a lot of tax but you reap rewards from that by not uh well first of all by not continuing to crush people into uh, into poverty. I mean, I, I know this again sounds like socialism, but, I've always but viewed the more you support your, your your people, especially the the poorer ones, the more disadvantaged ones, the healthier your overall country is going to be. I maybe it's just how I was brought up, but I've always viewed healthcare as something as if you can afford it, you get it. Well, like it's, yeah, it's, that is how like we I, grew I hear up. I people talk about it's so right, like eh, not really, like. Yeah, I we didn't grow up with that attitude. Like, the, like, like, like the argument I like when people say water is a right for sure. Uh, see how carbon based life forms keep on living. <laughs> right, right. But healthcare, nah, I mean, just I came from the school of like, trust me, in my twenties, my parents all the time. You got insurance? Nope. What if something happens? Well, that's not the world I live in, mom and dad. Sorry, I live in the world of I, you know, I got boxes to check. Living inside, check. Reliable transportation, check. Eating, check. Right. All right, that's it. And it, the older I got, the more money I made. All right, I can afford it now, or it comes with the job. Sweet. But it, I never looked at it as like, I should have this. Like, eh. it, it, doctors make, doctors have paychecks. Hospitals have electrical bills. Like, right. that gauze ain't free. Like, I guess that's kind of always been the mindset I've and, had on it. And, you know, a lot of the, the numbers on this are, are crazy because you, if you want to talk about, well, everyone should just be insured, you know, and if everyone's insured, then everyone's going to pay less overall, which definitely makes sense. And it's just the, it's the responsible thing to do, right? So as somebody who has asthma, it seems like it would be responsible for me to make that a priority that I have good health care. Well, good health care is really expensive. That's definitely oh, yeah. out of my pay rate. And getting the minimum health care just so that I can not have to pay increased penalties when I do sign up for health care in the future and uh, to get whatever tax break or in the current system not pay a tax penalty. Uh, those uh, those things that are, are built in to try and get people like me onto the system don't even cover my prescriptions, much much less paying my premiums. Just getting the basic plan so that I can be in the system, I can be covered if something happens to me, where I need extended hospitalization visit or whatever, still is not going to be a plan that covers my prescriptions. I'll still be paying out just as much as I pay in health care to get prescriptions for my asthma. Or... I pay a fraction of that price for the prescriptions, pay no health care, have all my prescriptions shipped in from overseas, manage my health care myself, and hope that I don't break a limb or get in an accident. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's <laughs> the life I lived for most of my 20s. Like, Especially, I delivered pizzas, man. Like, hope someone no, hope no one runs a light. You know, hope someone doesn't plow into me. Like, it, yeah. all that kind of shit. Like, it's, it's just... Not, 
I just thought that was living in your 20s in America. Eh, this is the High Wire Act. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's not a right. It's not something that... It's not something that's in our constitution that sh- that is, that should be provided to the people, but well, once okay, it's, a, hold on. it's a financially hold on. smart out. thing to do. Time out. Yeah, go ahead. I get the I get the constitution argument, but let's be honest here. Yes, healthcare and when the constitution was written was oh you got shot in the leg, bite down on the stick while we saw your fucking leg <laughs> yeah. off. If you're lucky, we'll give you we'll give you a couple shots of fucking whiskey before right. we do yeah. it. Yeah, but, there wasn't really. I mean, a concept. It, we're not talking. You got to go to the doctor. Bring a goat. Bloodletting or, or was a, a couple, thing, yeah. or a couple chickens. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're not talking. It's 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 kind of like the same argument when people go, well, when the Second Amendment was written, we didn't have fucking tanks and hand grenades, you know. And so that because there's some people that believe that we should be able to own those because hey, that's our right to bear arms. But whatever, you know what I'm saying? Here's look. Yeah. It, it, my my problem is is that most people who say I'm not in favor of universal health care or single payer health care. Every time I've talked to them, when I ask them why, it comes down to very much a greed and a well, you didn't earn it. Thing. An entitlement. It, it's yeah. It's 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 well, I work hard, so you shouldn't be able to to not work as hard as me and get something for free. And I'm like, okay, so you are you all of a sudden are on your high horse about this shit. But what about all the other shit that our taxes go towards? Right. You have no problem with. Right. You have we, no problem with all the military shit and all the CIA shit that behind the scenes causes trouble across the world that our money goes to. You got a problem helping a person keep from dying from fucking diabetes or an asthma attack. Right. Fuck you. You're a scumbag human being. That's my where I'm coming from. Well, if, I if, think if, the attitude if you are, is, though. If you, are, if you are more in support of killing people than saving people... <laughs> right. then we need to we need to eliminate you from the gene pool but, the- but if i was to be defensive of this person the, these these people that you speak of it's a more relatable thing for somebody you know what happens overseas who the fuck knows and what control do you have over it anyway but you have control over your own life and you choose not to not do this or that you choose not to do drugs and you choose not to rob or steal or do other things that that you feel like you know you're making the right choice, and you're also making the right choice by being responsible, by getting your health care, and you're insured on your car, and you're a good what citizen. The, 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 and then your tax dollars are going to go and pay for a bunch of people that are doing nothing but making the wrong decisions. See, it ain't even That's, about that for for someone like me. For me, the rub is it ain't even about my tax dollars. It's about like I'm already paying the I'm already doing the legit thing and now I got to pay the person I'm paying more because they're going to fucking use that as an excuse to charge me more. I guess that's where it it gets well, it gets muddy well, for here's me. The deal. You're talking specifically about way. the healthcare thing? Yeah. I think I think we were widening it, the conversation up a little bit though. When it, okay, but like, here's here's what I tried to explain to people and and in my life I know it's I know it's not you know, peer-reviewed fucking science, you know, get put to the scientific method, method. I got that. I'm talking about people in my life that I've talked to that are, that are, have expressed what I said that, you know, they've said. Um, when I try to explain to them, look, you know, they go, well, if, 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 if we have single payer, then healthcare, you know, price of healthcare is going to go up. My healthcare is going to go up. And I said, okay, well, let me ask you a question. And this is before the ACA was, was passed. How much do you, you don't think your health care goes up every time someone who has no insurance goes to the fucking, 
emergency room and can't pay that bill. Yeah. And that bill goes seven years and it finally falls off their, their you're, you know. You're already uh, paying for them. It's just the fact that they're, you're putting it on paper and saying, hey, here's the people that you're paying for through, with your taxes. That's what irks them. Exactly. Well, I, well, the fact I, that they're making it official. I can tell you from, from my point of view, from 2005 to 2011, I paid $45 a month for health insurance for, for decent coverage, for 80-20 coverage for a single man. Uh, since 2000, it, Damn. It, it doubled. Yeah, it doubled in 2011. And last time I checked, I, I'm paying over $100 yeah. a month. Like, it, it, it's more than doubled. I, that, that's where the rub, I guess, comes for me. Middle class American is like, uh, you know, I get it. Things cost money. I, I know things aren't going to be the same thing forever. I know a car costs like $5,000 in like 1960, whatever. And now, you know, mm-hmm. a, a car costs fifteen to $20,000, you know, the lower end models. But it's, I guess when it's so drastic, it's like I'm paying this. It, it, when it, like it's seriously, and it, it doubled from 2011. It doubled in 2011, right. 2010 for me. Cause my, because the, my insurance company is being proactive. It wasn't even in effect yet. It didn't take an effect until 2012. Oh, no, they knew. My yeah, insurance company went, uh, this is coming. We're doubling your rates and you have nothing to say. Right. You, so you, got, it, you got no choice in the matter. So in many cases, when you're talking about covering a, an entire family, that's, I have that's friends about as much. Thousands of dollars oh, a yeah. month to cover their families. Yes, they're they're paying at or more what would be their either rent or mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. So if you say that your rent or mortgage payment should be one third of your monthly income, then your other the other third or third plus goes to health care, and then you have a third or less to do what with? Well, I guess to try my, and feed your my, family. My rub with maybe insurance. Go see a movie. I don't know. Pay for cable. Pay for your phone. But I guess to my rub. Oh, that's right. You got to choose. You got to choose between phone and healthcare now. Has always been like kind of the Chris Rock philosophy. Is like they don't give you they don't give you shit back when you don't use it. Like trust me, my driving record, my car insurance has that's been used. How, I'm fine with my car insurance, but I can count to you on like one hand the amount of times I've been to the doctor since 2005. But the, like, the, you don't give me money back. Like, come on, you know how business no, works. I, I mean, get it. Th- Trust me, I get it. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm white venting, white splaining, man's whatever, whatever fucking term anyone's got for it. Although, okay, and Chris, the first time you start using it on a regular basis, all the money you paid ain't going to matter because they're going to jack the premiums up because now you dare use your fucking insurance. Right. Well, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> okay, there you go. So right here, we can all agree this is a fucking scam. So why are we passing laws that basically is letting our government through forcing us to have insurance be enablers to these fucking insurance companies. Hey, whatever, free insurance. That's what everyone well, was saying in 2011, right? Hey, free health care. Yeah, but whatever plan... I read that bitch in 2011. I knew what was coming. Whatever plan we're going to get from Trump Care, it's clearly not going to be everybody gets insurance. It's going to be the best plan. And, it's going to be the greatest plan ever. Okay, okay Trump's... Even though that's the what he ran on. Aside, okay? Yeah. Uh, anyone who thought that, fucking he, that, that, that when the ACA went into effect it was going to be free health care was either some Someone who was a on the left and, and fucking fu- and, and functionally retarded, or b people that were on the right and parroting what they heard on Fox News and Rush Limbaugh. Everybody else that had a, two brain cells to rub together and maybe a few to spare also knew we weren't getting fucking. They free turned it care. into car insurance. They turned it into like you have to have this or else. That's what they turned I, it into. Yeah, and look at the. It is of- a tax on the fact that you live in America. It is. It is. It is a tax on. Oh, if you want to live in America, you have to have health insurance. You have to pay this, or we're going to find the fuck out of you. It is a tax to exist in this country. 
That's basically what it, what, it, what they turned it into. They found a way. Remember when we used to joke when we were kids? They'll find a way to charge for air eventually. Well, we weren't that far off on the joke. They found a way to charge for well, basically we... as we get older, we're going to need health care. So, yeah, man, you're going to have to start paying into it, you know, as soon as you're what? Well, I mean, some some you can carry your kids until they're 26. So what? From 27 on, you have to carry your own health care if it continues with that. All right. And most people won't use their health care outside of a, 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 a catastrophe or a few little bumps and scrapes here and there until what? They're well into their 40s and 50s. And then they're just like I said, it's just like car insurance. You can ha- you can pay full coverage for 20 years and never file a claim the minute you do. Your next time you re-up your car insurance, your premium's going to go up because you dared to use your fucking insurance. Uh, right. That, that the is system's what, a sore spot for me, man. The two times I've needed it, it's fucked me. That's, that's one that I've never understood. Well, I get why you, know, you don't get the money back that you don't use because it's just not how this business would, would work. The fact that Every time that you use your car insurance for anything, that your premiums go up. I mean, I, was, I understand like it's if it's based on points or a ticket or something like that. But I'm talking about somebody hits you and you got to go, well, geez, if I report this damage and try and get it covered, I pay my deductible and then my rates go up. Let's let's balance that against the you know Trust me, couple hundred dollars extra that I would pay just to get it bumped out myself and move on with my I life and things. not even use the insurance that I'm paying for. Things hit me. I'm not the world's greatest driver. I'm all I'm fine with my car insurance. I get it. But I'm saying my health insurance, if you just look at my performance, like come on, man. Like I've given you like four urgent care visits in ten years. Right. Come on, man. Yeah, they should be basing your, your health insurance premiums on streaks like hey i went this long without going to the hospital oh, well, this this is one of those things like i said i hear anyone with I, a two-year-old that I, would be paying I have, outrageous I have insurance real, i have real issues with because I, it's You're, a no-win situation well you've been dealing with another, it too you've been on another, the front lines it's another fucking higher wall that they've built if you're trying to crawl out of you know working poor to to get even to get your head into the middle class area, right? Oh. It's just another wall we've built, and it was bu- is- and it was built by the the Democrats who love everybody, right? <laughs> Want to give everyone well, a fair shot? But yeah, th- this ties in nicely with that article that you you sent to our uh, our Facebook page, Complicated. or uh, Messenger rather. About well, this was uh, we had- knew that healthcare could be so complicated. <laughs> Tonight, I remember. <laughs> I remember talking about this study when it, when it initially came out. I believe it was on Unregimented, although I might have brought it up on The Weedsman. I can't remember. I think it was The Weedsman, actually. Was it? About the fact that, that we, white middle-class Americans are dying at an increased rate when before you know we were seeing these numbers continue to go down and expect age expectancy to continually go up this is the first uh, downturn since fuck i don't know since white people came out of africa <laughs> um so but yeah you had sent this uh, this kind of update on the story where they went back and, and looked at the numbers, right? 
and you know did some more surveying and found that uh, this decline in the life expectancy of of white non-college educated Americans this entire podcast also Trump voter well college educated what's qualifying that like never set foot in college or didn't finish uh, I think college I think the dividing what I gather is at least a uh, at least a four year degree or up. All right, right. So so even this, count two year degrees anymore. So this whole podcast, mm-hmm. non college yeah. educated, right? If you go by that definition. So they're looking at that and uh, and the decline of job availability for these same the same group of people and, and seeing correlation between those two. Now, hey man. Well, you know, I have my thoughts on this, but Rich, I want you to start because you're the one who uh, who threw this out in the first place. Well, to, to you know, to uh, I'll quote a little piece from it. It says uh, basically that mortality rates have been going down since they can forever is is what basically they said. Right. And then it recently, in the last twenty years, it, it reversed itself, and they couldn't believe what they were seeing, so they rechecked their numbers, made sure what you know that there wasn't a fuck up somewhere, and they basically said, you know, we knew what they were dying from. There were suicides, overdoses from prescription drugs, right. just regular overdoses, uh, alcoholism, questions like that, or, or things like that, and then then it goes into, you know. Well, why is it going up with these people? And they were like, oh, well, we found that they have less of a chance to get a job that they can support themselves, let alone a family. Fuck out of here, Whitey. You know, uh, basically, basically, basically it's it's like, it's like we've talked about many times. Manufacturing's left. Right. So the manufacturing jobs aren't there. The, the the actual physical labor jobs, there, companies and, and places get away with hiring people who might be legal, might not be legal, whatever. Some places pay under the table. I know a lot of landscaping places pay under the table. To where if you work as a legit landscaper above board, you make good money. I mean, we're talking we're talking you you make you make with a couple years experience, and if you're decent at your job, you're making on par with what people who've been at Ford for two or three years are making now. Yeah. I mean, and so, uh, you know, but that's very rare. Usually that's a crew chief, and then everyone that works for him is either under the table or he, or, or is hired illegally. Can- and so basically, it's a lack of hope. It's a lack of, there's really no future in it. There's no health care. Yeah. Can I, can I throw again. another quote from the uh, the story here on NPR? They interviewed mm-hmm. the couple that was doing this, uh, this survey. And analyzing the data, he says, if you go back to the early 70s and you had so-called blue-collar jobs, uh, or blue-collar aristocrat, aristocrats, those jobs have slowly crumbled away, and many more men are finding themselves in a much more hostile labor market with lower wages, lower quality, and less permanent jobs. That's made it harder for them to get married. They don't get to know their own kids. There's a lot of social dysfunction building up over time. Mm-hmm. That's a sense that these people have lost this sense of status and belonging. And these are classic preconditions for suicide. Now, you know, the funny thing about this story is that because we're in the climate that we're in, 
this story gets passed around a lot by uh, by maybe the, the white supremacists, the uh, the alt right, the neo Nazis, a little bit. As in, like, whoa, is what ha- what is, look what's happening to you know white people that everyone says is. You could argue that's kind of how Trump got elected. Yeah. Whole bunch of disenfranchised whitey reminded right. you they're still the majority. But I think what has to, what you have to keep in mind with this is, this is first of all one study done by a, a married couple that they're just looking at data so and one looking person at just trends, hoping. and it's not saying, hey, you get more jobs, less people are going to kill themselves. It's, the study might suggest that, and that's certainly a good idea, and certainly that's what we do in this country in general. You know, we want to make, we want to have more job availability. It's good for the country. But to the fact that they're seeing this in in white uh, in white people explicitly in this as a trend, more so than what has traditionally uh, been with. Uh, you know, black people, Mexicans. Uh, Actually, the, no. That's the, that's the uh, that's that's the weird one in here. Hispanics have always had a lower mortality rate than whites. Right. And he even says it in this in this uh, in this article, and they even they even say it themselves. It's a bit of if it's a bit it's a bit of a mystery and a puzzle, and we haven't fully resolved exactly why that is. You know why? Because they're fucking work all day. They don't have time to think about killing themselves. They're working <coughs> fucking sixteen hours a day. I'm not joking. But yeah. Can, well, can, can I take it? Also, this is just beans. pure speculation on my part, but I'll say this. I think... Uh, I'm not kidding. By, I'm not being racist by saying beans. I'm sorry to step on you, but I just had to say that. What? Beans are... Like, follow uh, people who, in their food culture, have heavy diets of beans or rice. And you will yeah. also find higher life expectancy. Yeah, that, same thing with same thing with people from from so, of the Asian persuasion, I guess. I don't again, know any other way to put it. Yeah, from, from countries who it's it's fish and hey, rice, man, three yeah. beans, and they're working hard. Why well, you think they're taking over America? Again, see, I did there. These are just okay, numbers. Well, anyways, this me, is not me, to say that like. Sorry, Rich. Well, uh, yeah, get back to your point, Rich. I'm sorry. To I take was just going to say Hispanics. Okay, in my experience, especially if this is this is just uh, in this country tend to be Catholic, and so I'm sure there's a religious belief in there about suicide, whereas I think we can all agree that, especially as Gen X grows older into this into the age group that they're talking about, we're more of the agnostic atheist than, than any group before us. Right. And, and, and people from Latin countries and of Hispanic descent, they still are. They have a higher rate of, of you know, practicing Catholics or people who call themselves, you know, practicing Catholics at least, than white people. So I think that that might be an issue there as far as this killing yourself thing. Um, well, but I mean, there's also the fact that a lot of these deaths they're talking about are from uh, uh, prescription drugs. And right. I think a lot of that's from yep. the rise of these, these prescription drugs that have come out that doctors prescribe and then when they take you off and then you go cold turkey, a lot of people end up. If you if you really look at if you really listen to people's stories and you do the the study and then you look up the stats yourself, a lot of people end up on heroin not because they 
they they were living some sort of gym, you know Jim Carroll basketball diary lifestyle. It's because their doctor put them on something. They got them. They got hooked on it. They took them off. They went cold turkey, and they couldn't handle the withdrawals, and so they turned to street drugs. I remember because reading articles cheaper than buying the, the prescription drugs on the street. I remember reading articles about OxyContin in the late '90s, and when it first came out, one of the nicknames for it was called Hillbilly yep. Heroin. Oh, yeah. Hillbilly Heroin. Yep. Right, but so uh, again, I was talking about just looking at the number. These are these are statisticians. These are numbers people, right? And they're they have to talk about it in this is what we saw in this segment of the population in this segment in this segment to me the bigger picture here is that if this is happening to people who in this country traditionally have continued to do better generation after generation as far as not only financially but uh, health wise have continued to live longer if we're seeing this decline in 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 white people basically if this is happening to white people, it's also happening to blacks, Mexicans, Chinese, whoever else is in this country. You know, I'd argue it's, a, I'd argue it's an it's epidemic been happening, and it's just right. been it's overlooked. Just, it's, it's, it's just now getting to whitey, and we're going, oh. Well, no, I'm not saying that this is something that like crawl. This is something that is really about class structure. It's about the the availability for anybody in this country to successfully move up. This is a trend that. We have pr- well, this is a, a quality that we have prided ourselves on as a country, but a trend that has continued to go downward. The same as education, we have always prided ourselves on our, uh, our our institutions and our educational system. But the numbers say otherwise when we see these continued downward trends. So it's not about race; it's using race as an identifier of a problem, but it is about class and it is about saying that it's white, how it's easy is it for anyone including a white person in this country to get themselves out of poverty and to continue the what we are used to seeing from this country regardless of your race that you could come in and generation after generation step up and be better off i guess my and have problem- more leisure time and wow. more time with your kids and work less and not have to do the back-breaking jobs. I guess I've learned this in the course of doing this podcast, and I guess that's kind of where this comes from. Just for me, my lens has just been tainted. I've worked with too many brown people who've come here with $20 in their wallet, and they make more money than me. Right. You're you're saying that uh, you see other races... I've worked with too many people who I can barely speak the language to who came here in 1994 with 20 bucks. That have a a stronger work ethic and know how to work the system better than people who grew up here. I know. I am way smarter than them. And they, these guys are making seven figures a year. I've worked with too many people. That's what... I guess that's what taints my, my lens too much. Here's... Here's my tainted lens view on this as well, because I read this article and I was thinking what, you know, the thoughts that I was uh, speaking before about how this is, really speaks more to class than race. But also when the talk about job availability was mentioned in this article. I guess what comes, well, I, well, guess, I guess I think, I don't know, sorry, <laughs> I had a couple of beers. But maybe to be preemptive on you, I think what maybe preempts maybe what you're saying is I've worked with too many people who've made their own opportunities. Who said fuck, yeah. fuck everything else? Well, what, no, this is. I've made they they made their own openings. Fuck waiting for an opening. They made theirs and they they went for it. Mm-hmm. 
So job opportunity? Well, because their, their back was against the wall, basically. It's like this or I live on the streets or go the fuck home. I mean, either way, it's a shitty situation. Well, it's, it's people with nothing so, to lose. Yeah. Poor, <sighs> right. Here, oh, well, God. This, okay. is, this is what keeps well, you in conservative hold, camp. Poor people in America still kind of got shit to lose. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm lucky. I don't, I've worked a lot of different jobs and I never had a period where I really felt I had a problem getting a job. As a matter of fact, in most cases, it's very rare that I, I think only really one time that I've been fired from a job. And in every other case, I went and found another opportunity. And regardless of what I was hearing on the news about what, you know, how easy it was to find a job or the unemployment rate or the economy or anything like that. And I, I can't, I'm not saying that like if I can find a job, anyone in this country is, and if they're not finding a job, then they're lazy. That is not the statement that I'm trying to make. I just can't identify completely with this concept of how hard it is to find a job in this country. I do see a lot of unwillingness to do certain things or, and it's not so much like, you know, if you want to feed your family, then you got to, you know, do whatever, uh, get the, uh, take the Mexicans job and blow the leaves around, you know, do, do the jobs that, that we're always saying that Americans just don't want to do, but it could just be about not throwing yourself into, uh, an opportunity. I've started a lot of jobs having to be trained on them. I pay attention and I learn fairly quickly and I've learned a lot of skills that way. I've, like I say, you know, I'm not college educated, if that's the definition of it. I went to some classes, most of them related to art or art history, so they're useless anyway. They're just what I wanted to do. Uh, to throw throw and, the music in with me and same, right. same waste of time. Right. I've gotten my experience in the work field by being, I don't know, a, a halfway decent interview, interviewee. Putting uh, on a shirt with a collar on it. Right. Perhaps and dockers. And just, you know, knowing how to absorb and not being afraid. I mean, it is, I can't, I can't say don't be afraid. Every new job, there's fear involved. And especially if you're going into it like the, the job that I have now, going into it knowing next to nothing about what it is they want you to do. You just know it's about computers. And you like computers, right? <laughs> hey, man. And, it's all attitude. I, there's, a, there's a trope that I picked up somewhere along the line in the last few years of I'll take a C student with a great attitude over an A student with a shitty attitude any day. So I do... I, I, I said that not because... I think that uh, I should be some example. I'm a fuck up, man. Like, don't don't model your life after me. Don't wander aimlessly through life and figure out things in your 40s. That's not the way to do shit. But early and, and 40s. And I'm not trying to say that I'm an example of. Uh, yeah, I'm only now just figuring this shit out. <laughs> I'm not saying I should be some kind of example. But I don't think that I'm alone in that experience because I know I'm not alone in that experience. Those are most of the people that I know. I don't know a lot of college-educated, college-graduated professionals in my life. So, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about that, Rich? <laughs> Am I, have I got my head in the clouds? Is that my white privilege showing? I, well, look, I, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's just because of the way I look at things. 
I think that the the whole race issue on this this article was to me just a way to present it to get people to read it. What I took away from the article is regardless of race, regardless of of uh, you know culture, it seems like if you t- if you take hope away from people, they all fall back on the same things, some form of self-medication uh you know yeah. depression etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's just something that like I, I when it comes to jobs in this country i think I, I don't know what i don't know what what generation really started this so i can't speak to that but i think that there's a there's especially when i was growing up there was a shame attached to if you go to a vocational school or if you go to a trade school of some sort versus college it's like you weren't good enough for college and i think we really especially the way this country is going now, we really have to stop looking at it like that. A skilled trade, you can make more coming out of trade school with a skilled trade than you can coming out of college for a lot of degrees these days. And as long as you, just like a college degree, Mm -hmm. you don't go get your college degree in feminist dance therapy or some bullshit like that. Yeah, no, you're right, Rich. It's it's not even about being making making more than a college educated professional. It's quite the major. You have to balance a debt. If you go debt free into a job and work your way up to a decent pay rate of let's say you're making fifty thousand dollars, right? And your friend that you went to school with went to school for six or eight years, became a doctor or lawyer, some shit like that, and he's making eighty thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars. But he's also got hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. I'd say I might know someone with three degrees who has a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Yeah. She might be upstairs. <laughs> Just saying and like So so balance that out then. You make more money but you have a lot more debt versus you are virtually debt free or or you know have you know just normal credit card debt that you can handle month to month and you make a decent wage and you're happy. You know it's real fuck up. Not to sidetrack the conversation. And you got laid in high school. You know it's real fucked up. Not to sidetrack the conversation. <laughs> she nerd. could get more no. she could get more money to go back to school. I don't know how that works. It's because it's just like anything they else when it comes to debt, man. The more debt you're in, the better credit you have because they want you in the system. She's even talked about that. Like, as long as you're I could, paying She's even it. talked about yeah. like, I go for PhD. They'll give me more money. I'm like, how? You owe them a lot. She's like, you know, you know what's fucked up? You know what's fucked up? You know what's fucked up is that I have friends who have filed bankruptcy twice in their life and they're not even 40 and one that did it two years ago and he's got a credit card. And he got a credit card that was pre-approved, and he he didn't even ask for. And I can't get one; it's unsecured. And I'm like, I don't know how the fuck that works. And here's what I hear: Well, he has bad credit. That's better than having no credit, no credit, or whatever. Blah blah blah. And see, I got fucked from the beginning because I had my family told me. It's just a little aside. My my family told me never go into debt if you can stop it. They didn't realize that the world we were moving into was not the one they grew up in, in, where if you paid your debts on time and you were never in debt, that was a good thing. You were seen as a stand-up person, so you could get credit at the local grocery store or at the bar or whatever. You know, you could run a tab without having to put a credit card down. Nowadays, you can't do that shit. It's a completely different world. But to get back to what I was saying, as far as jobs and trade schools, yes. case in point, if you go, if you go for HVAC, and you move out to Arizona or any place in the Southwest, you're never going to fucking be at a loss for work. Oh, you'd be minting your own money out in Arizona. All those places yeah. are going to need fucking air conditioning. You cannot exist. 
year round in those places without air conditioning. That's just that's just the nature of that area. I mean, here people, you know, if you go and you you go for a skill trade and you come out as a pipe fitter, you can you do CNC, whatever, something along those lines. As long as is is what speaking to what you said, Aaron. As long as you are willing to work, you're going to have a job, and you're going to have a job that's going to at least support you. You might not flourish in that job because well, you might have to you might have to go from one company to a to a company that's that's going to pay you better, and the chances of of making better money is there. But isn't that isn't that what we want? I mean, there's so many jobs that are dead end jobs these days that you can get stuck in. Because you live paycheck to paycheck, you have no fucking, uh, what do you call it? Job security. You have no safety net. You have no job security. Exactly. With the rise of right to work uh, and at-will employment, I mean, you can walk into work and they can go, we don't like the way you parted your hair today. You're fired. Or better yet, they don't have to give you a reason. They can just fucking fire you. Yeah. And then you got to spend the next six fucking weeks fighting for fucking unemployment. I mean, and then when you do finally get it, it's not like it's going to support you because the job was barely supporting you, and you're getting a percentage of what you used to make. So now you're just you're back scrambling, trying to find any job you can get. That type of lifestyle wears on a person. And if you okay, if you want to chalk it up to them, they made bad decisions. That's fine. At what point do we stop beating someone over the fucking head with this shit? Because eventually. We're going to have entire swatches of our fucking society that are in that in that predicament. And eventually we're going to pay one way or the other. We're either going to pay to house them in fucking prison, pay for them at the end of their life in, in state hospitals and pay shit. Pay for their health care, yeah. Pay, exactly. Pay, pay for uh, uh, state-subsidized uh, uh, Housing exactly, I mean, and and most and, people aren't like me that are in that position. Most people, I've, I'm in that position. Most people like me, shit out kids like it's fucking going out of style. Okay, I I learned my lesson after one. All right, so there's that factor also. The lower educated, the lower income, usually the more kids are they're they're, they're prone to have. Who's gonna pay for that? So I mean. We have to we have to decide. There has to be a cost benefit analysis here, and we have to really look at this shit and go. Do we want a permanent underclass? Because this is what we're creating, and that's a drag on society, and it's going to be a drag on society as long as it's there. This is part of. This is part of what we've talked about when we talk about lifting people up, instead of fucking. We're all at a race to the bottom. I mean, because that's what it feels like is going on here. This feels like we just, and, and a lot of people in this country have have said, fuck it, let's just let them fucking sink. And it's like, you, do you not realize that there, there's a rope tied to our feet that are on the other end of that rope? Are these people who are dragging us down with them? I mean, either way, we're, you're going to pay for them. So let's pay for them and hopefully they bring them up and that way they fucking can possibly contribute to society in a better way rich i wonder if it's so much like people that are are so much saying that uh they're just worried about their own boat they're not even like they're dragging us down they're like i'm worried about me and my boat and everyone else can worry about them and their own boat that i wonder if it's maybe more that kind of mentality and that's just kind of maybe the byproduct of it that's well, it goes it goes but, back but, to but, it, but it, it ties into what you're saying of how the permanent underclass is being created and it's just turned into that like hey i gotta worry about me and mine and everyone else can worry about theirs well along with the permanent underclass comes things that people uh, people who've never been that desperate don't understand 
crime, it becomes a way of life for a lot of people. And I'm not talking, you know, take a gun, stick it in someone's face and rob them, you know, commit home, home invasions and, and, you know, carjackings. I'm talking about every day they're breaking the law to be able to fucking put food on their table in some way or another. Whether it's it's gaming the system, whether it's, you know, working a job and skimming from the till, et cetera, et cetera. All this shit adds up. And there's always going to be a bill there. Just because we're running a tab doesn't mean that at the end of the day, you're not going to have to pay it. I mean, right now, we're, we're you know, <laughs> it's just like the national debt. We're running, you know, a, a huge tab and we're like, yeah, we'll worry about it later. Well, eventually... In society, you can't create a permanent underclass and just go, oh, it'll take care of itself, because it won't. I mean, we've got, you look at something as stupid as getting busted with pot, all of a sudden, look how many rights you lose if you get busted with pot and, you're, and, and, are, and are found guilty of it. Yeah. I mean, you can't get state aid. You can't get any type of any type of uh, uh, job assistance as far as training. You can't get any type of uh, student loans. I mean... Basically, you can't vote if it's a felony drug conviction. Basically, they're telling you you are no longer, you no longer have the rights of a full American citizen. Why? They didn't, it's not like, and we're not talking murder and rape and shit like that. We're talking nonviolent drug offenders. And you take hope away from people, and then when they fucking act like the animals that, that a lack of hope turns people into, we get pissed and we get fucking shocked and we go, well, look at them. They're fucking animals. They're dogs. Well, what do you fucking expect, man? If I beat a dog every fucking day of its life, and finally one day that dog turns around and bites the shit out of me, I'm not going to be like, well, how dare that dog bite me? It should have took that ass whooping again. That, no, that dog finally got tired of getting its ass beat. That's, that's, ultimately, we are animals. We have instincts. Survival instinct is strong as fuck, and people don't realize that because we live high on the hog here in America. Go to other countries. It is, it is not out of the, it's a daily occurrence for people to fucking make a decision that will put someone else in the ground for them to keep fucking living. That is happening all over the world as we're talking right now. Yeah. And I mean, do we want that on, in, in the lowest of our society? Do we really want it to turn into that? Because who are they going to prey on? The people who have shit. It's, it's all there is to it. Man. Always comes back to haves and haves nots, doesn't it? Rich, I wish you could see me. I've been nodding like a bobblehead here for the last minute. <laughs> but preach. No, preach it, brother. It's, it's one of those moments. Hey, I'll stop you and you're wrong, man. Like, I mean, I just, I, I, I'm a little frustrated. I'm sorry I went on a rant, but I, I'm a little frustrated because please, I've seen it. Don't apologize. I've seen it with myself. I've seen it with family members where we go in and we go, look, we want help. We don't want welfare. We don't want this. Mm-hmm. You know, what do we, what can we do? And right. it's arbitrary reasons why we can't get help. And it's really frustrating when I hear someone who games the system. And I, here's the thing. I, I used to get pissed. Now I go, teach me. And that's how fucked up it is. Like, I've given up on fucking trying to, to do it the legit way. Just teach me how you game the system. Mm-hmm. Because if, I, cause, cause if you do it and you're just happy staying static gaming the system... I want to fucking move up. I don't want to be hooked on the fucking government tit. I don't want to be responsible to the government. I was raised being told if someone can give you something, they can take it away from you just as quick. So I want that hand up, not that hand out. And I don't know how to right. get it. 
Yeah, and, and one reason to step outside of the system begats another. I mean, like you're saying, it, 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 it so easily becomes a way of life. I mean, I, I did it. I, I all but slipped off the grid for maybe a couple years of my life after my divorce. You know, and not saying like I got a new identity or like changed my social security number. Nothing. Oh, is there not your real name? But Come, that'd be fucked up. I mean, when there's, I don't know, when when you when you're given one reason to to not participate in the system, as, as one might call it, there's really no. It's almost like becoming institutionalized, right? It, it's like you send somebody to jail for a petty crime, breaking and entering or something like that, nonviolent crime, and what do you get out of it? You get a career criminal who will go on to possibly murder somebody mm-hmm. who may not have gone down that path if somebody just slapped him in the face and said, hey, the hell are you doing? <laughs> We're gonna, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna charge, we're gonna charge you with a crime. You're gonna pay a fine. You're gonna do some community service, and uh, and we'll all move on with our lives. But I mean, case it, in point, case in point to what you're speaking to, just to throw this out there. When I was in rehab, you know who did the best in rehab? People who had been to jail, people who had been to prison, people who grew up in the state homes and youth homes, because we were all used to. And I, I've never been to jail, never been to prison. Knock on wood. But I mean, I grew up in state and youth homes. It's, I, got, I got used to being told what to do. You're going to eat at this time. You're going to do this at this time. You wake up, you take your shower at this time, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like military life, I guess, to, to some people. you know. And we did the right. best. We were the ones that understood there's five of us in a room and three of us snore. Deal with it. It was the fucking people who had never done it who were like, <laughs> oh, my God, I can't handle all this snoring. And it was like, do you have you ever seen Full Metal Jacket? We will blanket party your ass. Shut up. <laughs> I was I was brought up Catholic and went to Catholic school. That all sounds vaguely familiar as far as that mindset. Is that what they called it in Full Metal Jacket? This came up the other day. The, oh, we couldn't figure out what it was called. The soap in the in the uh, towel. What did they uh, What did they call it in the movie? Blanket party. Um, there's a couple different names for it. Blanket party. Uh, Maybe, code Red. It probably was Blanket Party in the movie, though. I think you're right. I was blanket trying to party, think of that the other day. I think Blanket Party is a Vietnam era term for it, so that would that would fit the yeah. the era of the movie that the movie was set in. Um, it's the way I've always heard it described in my family, even from the World War II vets. And yes, that shit does happen. I mean, same thing with uh, just quick story. Yeah. My my grandfather when he was in uh, basic training, uh, they had a guy who he wouldn't shower. And they didn't know if it was because he he was dirt. He come from really dirt poor white trash. And he never knew how to shower. Muslim, <laughs> or no? I mean, serious. Like he didn't have indoor plumbing. Like this was this was right. this, this type oh, of guy. Oh, the water flows indoors here. Or he was just ashamed to get naked in front of people. Well, after the, that, their platoon kept getting smoked over and over and over again. Basically, the drill sergeants were like. Just like in Full Metal Jacket, we're not going to punish him. We're going to punish all of you. So you guys better figure this out. They grabbed like wire brushes and soap and scrubbed his ass and said, "Next, you will either hop in the shower next time or we're going to do this every day because we're not getting smoked anymore because of you. To to be clear, what's smoked? Like a penalty? Oh, yeah. 
It was like and nowadays a, 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 it's physical therapy, you know, a mark on your record or you punishment, yeah, physical, like you have to physical build physical training, run fucking a couple miles, build tear the, apart, build the pyramid of, uh, of, uh, sandbags and then yeah. take it down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shit. Like, you know, Hey, uh, dig my hole right here. Now fill my hole in. Now dig a hole two feet over from it. Now fill my hole in, you know, just shit like that. Basically <laughs> teaching you that the weakest link is you're only as strong as your weakest link and trying to get you to work as a team. But ultimately it's a, it's a very fucked up way of doing it, but it does work. Ultimately what you end up doing is you go, okay, if we have to carry you through this, we're going to, but you better be moving your feet also. You know, we're not going to, it's not going to be all on us. You have to try, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I, you know, I felt sorry when, you know, I was told this story when I was like eight or nine or something like that. I felt sorry for the guy. I told my dad after my grandfather told me the story and he goes, you don't understand. Those men were training for life and death situations. And if he couldn't bring himself to take a shower for whatever reason, because he was scared of indoor plumbing or he was scared of being seen naked. If he had a problem of trust with the people that he was going to march into battle with, that was an issue they needed to solve, right? Exactly. He's like, he had to get over that one way or the other. Yeah. You know. It was either his fear or trust of his fellow men. In either way, he was not fit for battle until they solved that problem. Yes. I mean, that's, that's basically, yeah. So, and I mean, that's, that's the whole reason that boot camp is the way it is. Because they will tell you, if you can't handle this, how are you going to handle the stress of being shot at, shit blowing up around you, and you have to keep your head? If I'm yelling at you while you're trying to do a task, and that rattles you to the point where you can't do anything but just flip out and and, and mm-hmm. curl up into a ball, you're not going to handle combat whatsoever. Man, I, I think I could actually handle being in the service of some sort now, but when I was 19... No fucking way. No, 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 no. No way. <laughs> no way. I told someone to go fuck themselves and got the sound be discharged real quick. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, nowadays, I mean, I don't know about nowadays, but when I was looking to go in, it was way different. It was peacetime. They wanted people who wanted to be there. Right. Um, when I got out of high school, there was, Cold War was over and we, uh, they just yeah, we, didn't someone, have, we didn't have terrorism yet. They just it was just extras for shot smack commercials. It was the stretch between yeah the Cold War ending and nine eleven happening that that we enjoyed relative peace in that period of time, you know. And so they lightened up a lot of the shit they would pull in basic training and boot camp. Whereas when my uncle and my dad went, the people who were mouthy or whatever, you know, they would. And and God forbid they raised a hand against a drill instructor. You got the gunny. Yeah, because then they then they then they separate him. They take him out back, and he'd spend a few days in the fucking hospital, and he'd come back. And usually that was all it took was one 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 of those type fucking situations to happen. And I mean they had things called the motivation platoon where they'd stick you on the third floor of a building and handcuff you to your Foot Locker, and you'd get smart asses to go. You can't legally you can't touch me, and they go. You're right, but we can touch your footlocker, and they'd throw your footlocker down the stairs that you're handcuffed to. Well, legally, they didn't touch you. I know they stackpile shit that high. <laughs> you get that guy. Hey, you know, this re- this reminds me of 
something that we were talking about earlier that I wanted to expand on. You, we had talked about prescription drug abuse that had come mm. up a couple times. Well, it was brought up in that study that we were talking about earlier. That was one of the leading causes of death for those uh, that was on the uh, on the rise in this country with white, mostly actually white males, I believe. And certainly that's, uh, well, I mean, that's a highly accessible drug. There's a lot of uh, veterans that are suffering from this and, and are, it's not about the, the heroin or the coke. It's, it's about fucking just pills. Pills that they started getting when, you know, possibly they were wounded, you know, and mm-hmm. to manage their pain, they got some opioids. And it just kind of, you, you, you combine long-term opioid use with... Uh, or something they can get on the street that's similar to what they used to be able to get. traumatic stress disorder or whatever they, they refer to it as now. That's a bad combination. And actually in, in Michigan, they're trying to get a law passed that will have a new monitoring system for opioids and, and uh, controlled substances just that are prescribed. Peeing into a cup? No, it's just tracking. Or just keeping so you track of see. who's giving them out? Right, because it'll, it'll basically stop the doctor shopping that happens for these drugs. People who have multiple doctors that they go to to get monthly re-ups on, on their, you know, you, get, you go to five or six doctors to get a monthly dose of Oxycontin, you can take two monthly doses for yourself and sell three of those, make a profit, do the same round the next time. But mm-hmm. if they track you through the state and the pharmacists can just pull your name up and say, hey, wait a minute, you've already gotten you know five prescriptions for this drug from other doctors. I can't fill this. Well, they already but, do it with um, any type of medication. Even if it's over-the-counter medication that you can make meth with, they actually swipe your your ID, and your if you buy more than X amount in a period of time, it flags you right. in the system to where well, they won't sell it to you. Well, there is a difference that that is true, there, and they do have a network, but I believe what they're proposing is a fully computerized system. I mean, you know, uh, let's say Walmart. Certainly, if you if I go to buy something that has ingredients of uh, for meth in it, I have to sign my name. You know, I'll sign it on the pad like I'm signing a credit card. That is a system that is in Walmart. They might share with other stores. They might not. They just probably have to legally back it up so that if somebody is like, "Hey, this guy's making meth." and they, they can track the purchases and say, "Well, we see he bought this much Sudafed." Well, that, that's our case right there. They don't have just a system where they can go, okay, one second, sir, please. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I can't sell this to you. That doesn't exist yet. An actual preventative system. And again, with another topical issue, legalized cannabis in this country. We've seen like cannabis. study after study show us that in states where... We've already had years of experience of legalized cannabis in that state. We saw opioid abuse go down. Mm -hmm. And the thing that opioid abuse is so prevalent in this country, not because it's the greatest high ever. I mean, partially, I think it's about it's uh, somewhat socially acceptable. You know, you can say that, oh, I've got, you know, back pain or something. 
you know, I have, there's a reason why I'm taking these pills. They're prescribed. See, they've got my name on them. I'm not doing anything wrong. But there's also the, ava- the, the availability of it. The fact that anybody can go to anybody else's house and go, hey, can I use your bathroom? See what they got in there. Start popping some pills. You're a kid. What's the fr- it's not a, it's way easier to get your hands on some pills. This is what as you do teenager. when you go to the bathroom at other people's house, Aaron. I don't. I don't. I just heard happens. Uh, no, usually I look for the curling iron and flattening iron and make them talk to each other while I sit on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst thing I've probably ever done. Or read the shampoo bottles while I shit. <laughs> like, shampoo is better. Actually, now that we have phones, I don't have to read shampoo bottles anymore. Thank goodness. I know. I haven't read a cereal box in a good while. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad, I can't even watch... I- I have to be watching some sort of entertainment when I eat now, especially dinner. I can't even just listen to a podcast. I'm spoiled. Sorry. Sorry, I don't know. Preaching in the choir, I guess. Well, I mean, I do think it's interesting that um, recently I, I went into the doctor and was talking about some chronic pain I had, and it's nerve pain. So uh, narcotic painkillers won't work on it. I, I'm, I need, you know, basically non-narcotic, and there's there's a family of those that, sh- that, that I could be given. Or and, possibly a muscle relaxer or just a physical therapy. That's that's exactly what what uh, the doctor wrote. She was like, you know, physical therapy, um, and then we have uh, pain management. We could send you to, and she goes, now I'm gonna t- I'm gonna warn you. If we send you to pain management, um, they will cut you off if they find out if you have a medical a medical marijuana card or something like that. And I'm like, what? What? That's They're like, interesting. yeah, yeah, they they they, they won't they won't work with you because. They consider that a conflict of, you know, if they prescribe you something, they don't want you on that. And I'm like, on what planet is anything they're going to give me in weed going to fucking kill me? You know right. what I'm saying? You you prescribe me medication that regulates my heartbeat. If I take the whole bottle, it's the last regulated heartbeat I'm ever going to have. Yeah. Okay. So if so you can trust me. regulate with, you like Nate Doc. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you can trust me with that then why can't you trust me with a medical marijuana card and a Flexerol? Because I know people that have mixed way worse than that and come out down the other side perfectly fine. And she's like, it's just the, now it's the, it's the pain management clinic they work with. I don't know if this is across the board policy, but I mean, I'm just, I was like, when I heard that, I'm like, you know what? How much of this is coming from the pharmaceutical people? And how much of this is actually doctors that are saying, this yeah, is, we won't treat we won't treat you if you if you have a medical marijuana card because of interactions. It's just about business and liability when it comes down to it. I'm not trying to justify it, but it it's like saying you run a methadone clinic. We won't work with you if you're a junkie. Well, I do think well, it's I do think <laughs> it's yeah, <laughs> I know, right? That kind of defeats the purpose. I uh I do think it's interesting that 
this last time I went to the doctor, they did a they did a uh, blood work up on me, and the two times I've been admitted to the hospital in the last three years, they did blood work on me, and they told me everything they were going to do except for one thing, all three times, and that was a tox screen. And it was only after my tox screen came back clean that they told me they'd ran a tox screen on me. Everything else they told me that what they were going to check while they while before or while they were taking the blood from me, and I'm like, is is this standard operating procedure? Because I don't remember this from being younger. I don't remember this happening like this. Like where they run a tox screen on people and they don't tell them. Like they would just ask you, have you taken any drugs in the last X amount of you know days? And if you do, you know, is it recreational? Is it is it every day? So this is just weird to me. I mean, and it's, you know, whatever. My paranoia may be kicking in a little bit, but I'm like, why the fuck are you doing a talk screen on people and you're not telling them until after the fact? Like, what happened if it's something did come up in my system? What are they going to do? Call the cops? They'll ask you about it. I mean, but shouldn't they ask about it? Before? I mean, run the talk screen. Tell me you're going to run it. Ask me about it, whatever. But don't run it and then come back and be like, oh, yeah, by the way, we ran a talk screen and that came back uh, clean. So, you know, it's like, well, why didn't you tell me about this? You told me everything else you're going to do beforehand. You told me you were checking my liver enzymes, my kidney function, et cetera, <laughs> right. et cetera. But you didn't tell me you're running a tox screen. Or I'm confused why, if they didn't tell you beforehand, why they would tell you after unless it came back dirty. I'm in pain what? all the time. <laughs> well, I can tell you that when I went in for the first time, when I went in first time for my heart, they were convinced that I was doing coke and not telling them. And I'm like, Guys, it's been years since I've done coke, and even when I even when I did coke, right. I wasn't a big cokehead. I was I'm more of a downer guy. Rich, I mean this in the nicest way possible. Did you ask them like, did you weigh me? You sure yeah. about this question? <laughs> I was like, like, how many cokeheads you know look like John Goodman off his diet? And they were like, uh, it, it happens. I'm and sure I'm John like, Goodman's been skiing plenty of times. Well, I mean, but he's still above ground. But I mean, look at look Chris at Chris Farley. Farley. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John Belushi. John Belushi wasn't exactly a, a svelte gentleman, so. Yeah. But I mean, that was that was usually mixing uppers and downers of some sort. John Belushi was speedballing. I think it was coke and uh, uh, some sort of barbiturate. And then didn't, yeah, it's always the mix. And didn't Farley I mean, not die? Always, and but... didn't Farley die the same way because he was like trying to emulate Belushi or some shit? Well, I, he just he died uh, from partying. He wasn't shooting. I think he died bumps. because he hated himself. Ultimately, not so much that he. I mean, I think a good excuse and a way to do it and not have to talk about how much you hate yourself is to say that you're emulating a hero of yours. I mean, if you got to pick a way to go and you already hate yourself, that's a cool way to go. Well, let's put it this way: having seen firsthand, and I mean, being a musician. People that have put themselves through absolute hell with substance abuse and having done it to an extent myself, it takes a lot of willpower to keep doing it because after a while you get no more enjoyment out of it. It's like you have to, it takes as much willpower to, to keep doing that to yourself as it does to fucking quit doing it to yourself. It's just, you don't feel the withdrawals while you're doing it to yourself. That's almost the only reason to keep doing it. But I mean, the baseline reason of even if you started off, it's just, Hey, if it makes me feel good and I party, that's long gone. There's other reasons that when everybody else says it's time to go home and, or I'm leaving in a couple hours, so I'm going to stop drinking and you're still fucking sitting there pounding them or you're in the back blowing rails. 
that's the shit that, that you got to deal with on your own because that's the shit that is really causing you to do that. The, 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 right. the drugs and the alcohol are just a side effect of whatever's wrong with you Pain there. So, at least in my experience. So, yeah. I mean, hate himself, at least, at least some severe depression, something of some sort was going on with him. I, I can't believe that anyone who's completely happy with their, their selves and their station in life would just be that self-destructive just out of pure let's party. I, I just can't, I can't imagine it. Yeah. But I did get back to that study real quick because one, mm-hmm. one of the things I thought was interesting is they said that uh, Utah apparently has, along with Nevada, has the highest rates of, I don't know if it would be considered suicide or accidental overdose, but the highest rates of death attributed to uh, uh, prescription drugs. Yeah. Now, now Nevada makes sense a little bit. I mean, we're going to stereotype. I'm going to stereotype a little bit. Nevada makes sense. Utah, not that, so much, man. That's a lot of repressed white people, man. That's where the Mormons are. Like, I, I speak. Mm-hmm. I, dude, I, I, to, I got out of the club. Like, I come from repressed whitey. I was raised Catholic. A lot of repression, a lot of guilt. A lot of compartmentalizing, a lot of talk, a lot of talk just bury that down, that kind of shit. It's it's the same thing in the Mormons, you know. Different book, more wives. Put those feelings in your mind, vice. Yeah, crush them. Yeah, but no, like I don't. It does not shock me as I'm not shocked that where there's a high concentration of repressed whitey, you got that kind of shit going on. I think it was well, what they were saying shocked them is that. In Utah is Utah has one of the lowest as far as the states in the in the U.S. one of one of the if not the lowest percentage of alcohol, tobacco, caffeine use. But yet here is prescription drugs, and they have one of the highest de- highest death rates due to it. So that, that's that's telling me that you know you say repressed, I guess maybe, but I think it's it's more of well, if it's given to me by a doctor, it can't be bad for me. On top of a little, na- you know, being naive as far as illicit substances because you've never done them. Well, didn't that come with the white? Hey, I try. You know, it comes from a doctor. Like, doesn't whitey seem a lot more trusting than everybody else? Well, then I got to say this, man. What the fuck am I? Because I, like, all these white stereotypes, I really don't fit into. <laughs> right, general whitey. And- <laughs> Are you're, we talking upper class white? Maybe you're gap shopping whitey. You know you're. Can I two point five kids and dog and picket fence having whitey? Allow me to quote directly from the article from one of the uh, one of the two people. Case the first name. Anyway, in in regards to what you're referring to, Rich, they say there's not a part of the country that has not been touched that, by this. We like to make the comparison between Nevada and Utah to look at the extent to which good health behaviors lead to longer life. Two-thirds of Utahns are Mormons. They don't drink, they don't smoke, and they don't drink tea or coffee. Two-thirds of Nevadans live in Las Vegas paradise, where there is a little more of everything. So the heart disease mortality rates are twice as high in Nevada as they are in Utah. But in both states, uh, both states are in the top ten for deaths of despair. So they mentioned this earlier, but deaths by despair is basically drug overdose or handgun uh, self-inflicted. 
Utah has had a terrifically hard time dealing with the opioid crisis, and suicide rates are going up as well. There's a lot of surprise here in parts of the country that we really weren't expecting to see. So again, uh, it's not they, they use race as an identifier for what they see as a problem. The same way they're using location as a identifier and also by location, therefore, uh, lifestyle. There's definitely a different lifestyle between people who traditionally live in Utah versus people in Nevada. And when you see one place where in Utah the life expectancy is going up, the quality of life is going up, and you can tie that to their lifestyle, well, then what's happening here where... Also, the suicide rate, the death by handgun rate, and opioid abuse rate, those are also going up. So, yeah, you're not having as much people die from heart disease. But if that makes you a happier person, why is your suicide rate going up? That's the question. And while... Not to take away from, I think, the point that I was making and you were making earlier, Rich, that this was more about class than race. I think class has a lot to do with it. But this isn't one thing where we can, I mean, we can look at numbers and facts and see how they line up and make assumptions based off of that. But the answer is really, maybe it's just a little bit of everything. Like, I think the bigger picture here is, is there something about our basic way of life in America that is slowly killing us? Isn't that the bigger question that, that's being looked at here? The, the, you're, you're, the elephant, born, you begin to die. The elephant in the room. I'm not even trying to talk ex- existentially like that. It, like, honestly, is it... <laughs> is it <laughs> costs a lot to live this balling? <laughs> In more ways than one? I don't know. Maybe that is existential. What do you think, Rich? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I Is America killing us all? Is America the cancer that's killing us all? Is it is it is it the is it <laughs> an orange faced cancer? Well, I mean, is it the Okay. How do I put this? Is it the letdown because you've been Maybe these people have been raised with expectations that aren't being fulfilled. I mean, I was always raised being told I was part of the generation that was going to do worse than my, my my parents. So I just kind of was like, all right, then don't don't expect the world. You know what I'm saying? And you can't be let down. Don't expect everything just to, to, to be okay. And you, you won't be let down. So when something bad happens, instead of going, why is this happening to me? You just go, well, this is part of fucking life. And I mean, I hate to say this because it's 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 painting them with a broad stereo you know stereotype brush on a lot of white people. Yeah. But maybe there's, I maybe because I'm not a part of that group, I I don't know what it's like. But maybe there is a part you know part of solidly middle class whitey as as Chris calls him, who just thinks that you know everything's going to be okay. You know, every once in a while, someone in the family gets cancer or grandma gets dementia if she lives old enough or someone has a stroke or a heart attack. Right. But that's to be expected with life. Everything's just going to work out. We're going to get our jobs and we're going to go to college and things are going to be okay. And when they get out there and it doesn't happen, 
they don't know how to take it. I mean, I would think that middle, if you're looking at working class men and their mortality rate, this is going to be a really unpopular opinion with some people, but this is it's just my opinion. I have nothing to back it up. I could, I, I guess I should look it up because it might prove to be an interesting subject one day if we actually, if I actually do the footwork and research. But if you look at the, the rate of divorce now, I wonder if middle if a lot of these men that are in middle age who have going or going through divorces that have maybe wiped them out financially. Maybe it's not their first divorce. Maybe it's a you know you have the loss of custody of your kids, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If that doesn't play a part in their depression, their overall sense of well, shit's hopeless. Because I mean, you can you know you you get married at a young age, you have a couple kids. And 10 years down the road, you get a divorce and you don't play your cards right. As a man, even though you might be making good money, you could be paying a whole lot of child support. You could be paying alimony. You could lose your house. Well, Aaron, does this happen? You can lose your car. I mean. Bobble, bobble, bobble. (laughs) (laughs) You take all that shit away from a a man. And especially a man who wanted nothing more than to, you know, be be a husband and be a father. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not even getting into the gender roles of of provider. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about you take everything that he was living for away from him, and on top of it, he's now living below the poverty line while his ex is doing whatever. I, it, it's the natural response to that is depression. Yeah. And the fact that, and the fact that we're still our generation, Generation X, is still we're that middle gener. We are the middle children of history. Chuck Palahniuk got that right. We are the middle mm-hmm. ch- children of history of the twenty first or the twentieth century. Yeah. We were kind of raised with that. Be a man. We don't go and talk about our feelings. But then at the same time, near the tail end of our generation, it was. We want you to be sensitive. We want you to be in touch with your feelings. So it's constantly warring inside of us. What do we do? Do we go talk to a therapist? Because then, then we feel like a pussy. But it might make us feel better. You know, it's that right. whole Prince of Tides thing. Right. I think... The Sopranos the, made an entire show out of that. Yeah. The the malaise of, of America in general, the depression, and the accept, acceptance of depression... Uh, Again, I think that's kind of what Sopranos was about. It was kind of showing you, look, if this guy can admit that he's got some dark feelings about life and he doesn't know how to deal with them, and sometimes the whole thing just scares the shit out of him, I think we can all admit that about life. But I also think about, like, if I was to put the big picture spin on this, it seems like maybe this increased suicide rate, this maybe it, it arises from like an aimlessness for a person who doesn't know how they fit into the system anymore. Now, yeah, America's a young country. See, we figured out a system in this country that, that showed us unprecedented growth and uh, an appropriation of power in the world. At, at a rate that's never been seen before, and we all and we distributed the system to the people. This is all about the people, right? All you have to do, if you do all this shit right, 
then you can have this. You know, this is, these are situations that people usually thrive in. I always like jobs where people go, hey, you do this, this, and that. You fit these metrics, and you'll get this promotion. You'll get to this. Like, oh, yeah, excellent. I know how to check those boxes off. It's not always every job, and a lot of jobs are, we can't have check boxes. It's just based on you know, general performance and how you, how you find where you're fitting in. But anyway, so the American dream was you get married, you have the kids, you work hard, you get a decent education, you'll have enough to keep food on, on the table and a roof over the head and not have to worry and even retire. Okay. Well, maybe there's a, a limit to that when you talk about life expectancy, that there's a limit to it where personal responsibility has to kick in a little bit. Okay. Yeah, that's, you can make that happen. Um, but there's also a lot of choices that you can make yourself about, well, I don't know. I mean, I can't talk about depression like it's a choice because I, I'm, I'm aware enough that I, I understand that it's just something that's uncontrollable. But uh, a quality of life uh, in general, I mean, your personal health has, and I don't want to sound like a, a hippie preacher here, but your personal health has a lot to do with that. And, you know, this, this diet of, of the food that we eat and, and the medications that we take, both the ones that are directly killing us like opioids and the ones that are just doing long-term damage that we don't know about yet or even just fighting the antibodies that will come back tenfold to destroy us. Did you see a leaked script from <laughs> I mean, Mr. Robot Season 3 online? <laughs> I, I know I'm going off the rails on this one. I, I don't know if you're following me, but it, I think that there, there has to be an understanding like you can have it all. What, if you want to say you can have it all in America if you just work hard. You have to understand that you have to define what all means. And America is not going to give you peace of mind. Holding down a, a job and putting food on the table is not going to make sure that you are, are filled with happy thoughts when you put your head on the pillow at night. It makes no guarantee of that. And while you can look at, uh, in, in the, again, back to the study, you can say, well, why does this number of, you know, the number of, of job availability has gone down and the suicide rate goes up? Well, you know, again, they talk about... They talk about more perceived job availability, right? Because I don't believe that their numbers are, are based purely just on unemployment numbers, which can be gamed anyway. They're talking about people who, you know, maybe worked a job and got fired from it after a long term and just didn't know where to go from there and felt like there were no opportunities for what they were trained to do. And if you're already depressed 
and you're already popping pills, you can just say, fuck it. Glide on in unemployment for a while. Get some welfare after that. Cheat the system. Keep doing drugs. And now you're, the perceived job availability is negligible. You've moved on. You've found other ways to put food on the table. You're out of the system. So I don't know if that's so much uh, that it's a direct cause. Like if we, ma- if we made more jobs available in this country, we would see our suicide rate go down. I don't think that would happen. I think that there is just a limit to what you, you can expect from your country if you want to have a happy and full life. That it's not just about doing checking the boxes that, that, the, that America has told you to check in order to ensure a happy and long, fulfilled life. Well, I also think it's, and this is, I don't know if this is uniquely American or Western culture, but I also think we tend to think that if that the solutions to these these type of issues are a one or two you know one or two things if we do one or two things right we'll we'll take care of all this it'll 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 go away my side and will just, solve it it's just not the case i mean these are you know when you talk about people who get to the point of sticking a gun in their mouth or taking a whole bottle of pills there is a just plethora of shit that led up to that. There is just, I mean, a ton of reasons and, you know, good job, stable family life. People still put the gun in their fucking mouth, you know? And right. It's, it's, it's look, no, I I know I say, uh, like I was talking about Chris Farley and I said, it's because he hated himself. And it seems like an oversimplification and a flippant way to say it. But I do believe it all kind of boils down to that. Drug abuse, any kind of, of abuse that a person inflicts upon themselves. I mean, they hate themselves. Yes, there's deeper reasons. They might be multiple reasons. But if you don't get to the core of why they have that self-hatred, then you're never going to cure all of these other problems. Well, I mean, there is a school of thought that depression is rage turned inward. Instead of taking out your anger and your frustration on people around you, you take it out on yourself. Right. Maybe because we now live in a society where we don't have to rely on severely aggressive behavior or just stance in general just to survive, that that instinct didn't just go away. It had to go somewhere. Yeah, and right? not only that. We still have vestigial that. tails. They didn't just go away completely. They had to go somewhere. They started going up into our bodies. But, I mean, not, now we have vestigial anger. Vestigial, but, vestigial aggression. I'm sorry. I'll stop. But in, yeah, being super aggressive, super, you know. That's about survival. That, that, or was. But, but, it's it's not something that's accepted in in, in polite society anymore. Well, well, right, and, and and I mean it goes it goes back to like what Chris was saying about poor people and people that come to this country. Uh, I, you know, there's 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 a discussion that's been happening in the world of boxing for decades now. Why don't you see the great white hope? That's the, the white champions and. 
basically the consensus is amongst a lot of people is that we didn't enslave white people and breed them. Why they got to fight? <laughs> it's it's pretty much that you, the more desperate the more desperate of a situation you're born into and you come from, the tougher it it, it tempers you. Yeah. All right, and that's how come you might see nothing like, to lose. You, back against the wall. You know, in the UFC, you might see, you know, like Conor McGregor. You know, he's from Ireland. Apparently, he had a shitty. I mean, I mean, a fucking shitty childhood. You know, and 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 stuff like that. But you really don't see the born with the silver spoon in their mouth boxers. You know, uh, MMA fighters. You know, you see them in other sports now, especially sports that cost a lot of money to play. You see kids coming from upper middle class and wealthy families playing these sports, and they succeed. But, I mean, it's just, it, it's it, 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 when you get in that ring, you don't have to be in that ring, first of all. And then once you're in there, the, the, the pure will to keep fighting I mean, I don't know if either of you have ever been in a fight where you've been hit so hard, you're out on your feet, no. and you're still fighting, and you come to, you come out of it, and you're still in the middle of a fight, and you don't know what happened. But that happens all the time in boxing matches. There will be guys that are out on their feet that are just running on pure instinct at that point. Sure. There is, it is just muscle memory at that point. Right. No. What, it, and what I'm saying, what I'm, what I'm getting, long story yes. short, what I'm getting at is that. The, the will it takes to fight through that, to keep going, to win a boxing match or win something like that, a lot of, I hate to say it, but it, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people that come from affluent backgrounds, they just don't have it in them to do it. They're like, I don't have to fucking do this. I don't have to put myself through this. No, I what? mean, there's always going to be an exception, you know? I mean, that's right. just all there is to it. But if you don't have to put yourself through hell, if you don't have to put yourself through the physical abuse to be a success, then you're not going to. And when someone comes here from another country and they say, you know, it's, I, I've talked to people who've come here from Cuba when I lived in Florida and all the time they'd say, there's just so much available here. Like the, the world, it's, it's almost too much to choose from. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm sitting there at, you know, 17 going, I feel like I'm fucking stuck in one rut and how do I get out of it? And they're talking about, there's too much to choose from. What is what is it about their life that gives them that perspective, and how do I get that perspective? Because if I had that perspective, I feel like I would I would definitely view the world, maybe not in a more positive light, but in a more optimistic light. I don't know, man. Maybe it's I I, I always get chided for having that shiny tenement on the hill attitude when I come from this. Maybe it's because I was brought up religious. I don't know, but I always just look at it as like. There's motherfuckers sleeping on dirt floors or outside that didn't eat today. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I just always, I, I kind of look at it from that perspective. Like, as far as, too, just from opportunities as well. Like, it just, just things, just simple. I guess we need to get it from here. Like, if you got a car, you could drive for Uber and Lyft 12 hours a day and make fucking $1,000 a week. Well, if you have a car. Well, you know, but that's, but just, it's like around, just and there's. And can afford insurance. But there's just, there's, I guess getting back to what Rich's Cuban friend is saying, like around in, in America, if you look for it, there's money laying around. You just got to find out where it is. I guess mm -hmm. that's kind of where they're coming from.
But I they, had a buddy. I they, had a buddy. They might not be talking about all legitimate options. Just putting that out there. I had a buddy whose family literally came from Cuba. He was the first person in his entire family born in the United States. And when I go to his house, they were all speaking Spanish. And, I, and uh, you know, so, I, I, you know, he would kind of fill me in on what was being said and all this and that. And um, one of the things that I got into a conversation with him about is his family, I guess a recurring theme in his family is Americans don't. And, of course, they're generalizing, but whatever. They would say Americans don't chase that dollar. Americans chase, like, in, in their minds. We, we wait for the dollar to come to us. In, in their minds, Americans chase their dreams. And and they're like, you know, if you got the money, then everything else will start to fall in the line and become easier for you to fulfill your dreams no, instead of chasing them. We uh-huh. wait for somebody to give us our dollar. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's like the old Robin Harris skit where he's like, you know, I got friends that talk about – you know, they haven't worked in five years, and they're like, you know, smoking a joint about job situations hard. And they're like, well, have you been out looking for one? Because it's not going to yeah. come up, knock on your door, and be like, knock, knock, knock. Who is it? Job. You know, it don't work that way. Oh, no. Rich, it's similar. It kind of a similar allegory. I got a friend who always bitches about he's being single, and he's always over here in the bomb. And it, uh, telling him, like, dude, like, girls aren't going to come knock on the door and like, hey, we're going around, like, looking for dicks right. to suck. Like, Wait, you watch, uh, Rich, do you watch Shameless? No. Ever, ever watched it? But Kevin. I've, I've seen it, but I've never watched it to where I can, like, follow. I know the storylines or plot lines. Kevin's got to be my favorite character in it, and he's so lovable. But there was, I think in, I don't know, season six or something, he has some trouble with the bar, basically has to go find a job, needs money. He so, walks into a factory, applies for a job. And they're asking him, well, okay, so do you know what we do here? Do you know these systems? And he's like just trying to bullshit his way through it. And as much as I love Kevin, I was like, come on, man. Like He, he goes home and bitches about how there's no good jobs out there anymore. You can't just be a guy who can lift shit and take instructions and get a decent wage in this country. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, dude, just like, first of all, well, you start reading about this shit online. Second of all, if you're really that interested in it, then figure out a way to actually get some education on it if those are the jobs that are available, and that's what the fuck it's going to take. Or like, another way of looking at it, he didn't go to the lifting shit to make money place. He should have went to a construction site. He could have probably... I mean, it didn't move the story along in the... In the, in the well, fucking, no, I think even in the construction site now, unless they're... You know, they would have handed him a shovel... At best. It's great. It would have been... And he probably would have said, that's bullshit. Something an hour to move something. Well, he made a lot of money dancing at a, at a gay bar while serving. But yeah, That's where the storyline ended up. While wiggling his ass in a G-string. So and His wife said no to uh, jerking dudes off. He was like, hey, what if I jerk people off and made 500 <laughs> bucks a pop? His wife was like, no. He's like, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. He's like, so my guess, hand's just doing it. I guess he's, the, he's our perfect case study, though. And while... I wouldn't necessarily refer to his character as criminal. There's a lot of things that everybody in that that series does episode after episode that is completely illegal. Oh, Many man. of it, which people could go to jail for. And so what did, what did Kevin do, right? He looked for an opportunity, found out the road was too tough, and it was certainly a lot easier to do something else like have an unlicensed cleaning business with top, topless women to dance naked at a gay bar for tips under the table. A lot of other stuff under the table, too, probably. And 
Uh, and yeah, I, there's some other scheme. Maybe it's had, come. But... Maybe it's because I come from. Uh, never met him, but I come from a grandfather who came here and opened a bodega. I just always come from. If my limbs work, I'm good. I'll make money somehow. Like, yeah. T- t- no, and I look at it as I, you have to figure out by the time your limbs won't work reliably to make money without using your limbs. I, I don't. White privilege, right. good parenting. I don't know. Just, just how I kind of always viewed it. Right. And and how do you equate this number of supposed job availability that they cite in this study with the continued growth in this country? We've never lost jobs as a country. We get so many jobs though. We just, at the end of these four years though, we've I been mean, told so many jobs. Does it does it always line up exactly with your current working population? No. That's why you have an unemployment rate, and that's why you you have that as a metric to try and figure out what you can do to fix that. But I, I don't know. I guess that's the only beef that I have with it. While I, I agree that, you know, the, I I agree that there's something interesting going on in the, the, the findings of their study. I think maybe the Maybe the reporting leans on the the unemployment rate or job availability uh, angle just to have an angle on it, to have some concrete spin on uh, basically to have a story, a reason to talk about this. Hey, coming out of left but, field here. But I'm not, I'm not completely on board with that. Uh, privilege, I guess, is, is what you could argue. But Coming out of left field here. I don't feel it. I may have been drinking since four hours ago. Still coming out of left field here. Are we overthinking this? Are we just alive in the time in history when we're seeing the shift from the manufacturing economy to the service economy? Or maybe just the... To sh- the internet. Maybe the, just the shift the- of what, we, what do we actually do with our longer lives? Yeah. How do, Test know, my head to a robot body. It's going to be a long-ass time if I got no serviceable skills. Yeah. I mean, too, when most of your economy was driven by jobs that were go to work for 10 hours and break your fucking back. Have no time to have a thought to yourself between the machines and the guys yelling shit at each other. And then fuck actually having some time to think for yourself when you get home because it's either family time or drink yourself to sleep or both and wake up and rinse, lather, repeat. So now we have this luxury of sitting around and going, geez, there's nothing on Netflix. <laughs> like, if you've gotten to that point, what are you doing with your life when you say there's nothing on Netflix? <laughs> there is always something on Netflix. It's impossible to watch all the, all the shit actually worth watching, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, but you know I, what? The, I, then you have the opposite of that. What's the opposite? You have... Okay, Chris, you were talking about... You, you said you have a buddy who like he comes over and he's like, man, I'm always single. He bitches about being single, right? Don't go out. Ever. Don't try to okay. meet nobody. All right. And, you know, you're saying, you know, Aaron, you know, oh, you've, you've got, you know, people that are like, oh, there's nothing on Netflix, blah, 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 blah. Then you have people right. like me who just have voluntarily withdrawn their fucking, you know, t- t- taken their ball and went home on yeah. shit like relationships. <laughs> yes, that's I'm me just too. <laughs> like, I don't care about relationships. I hate to say this. I'm because with I, come, I, I come off, people are like, you're bitter, you're angry. I, I swear on my daughter's life, I'm not. I just. You are who Tinder is for. I, look, this is, this, no, this is the deal. 
I am happy by myself. I can do what I want and go where I want. I have no, I have no desire to spend the energy chasing relationships. Not necessarily. I mean, yes, it would be with a woman for me, but I mean, I have friends who chase relationships. They don't chase a woman. They chase relationships. Yeah. And it's constantly looking for one and they have to be in one. It's almost a pathological need to be in one. And, that is all their free time. That is their hobby. That is what they do when they're not working or sleeping. And I, well, sure, I, I think we can all identify with that in some respect because we've all been, uh, you know, post breakup. I'm sure each one of us has done some stuff that we probably wouldn't normally fool around with some people that you know wouldn't normally fool around Let's with. Just or, say, I'll never run for office. Just putting that <laughs> out there. Right, and you're just looking for something to plug the hole real quick, so to speak. The metaphorical or, hole I'm talking about. Put yeah, my that, plug. that somebody has left in your life. Hold, put my plug in. Right, but some people operate in that zone all the time. I, well, like anyone, I've fallen into that mode, and I think we all do when recovering from a, a, a breakup, especially a bad one. But... Uh, I, I don't see that as like the driving factor for my relationships. It's anyone that I've pursued while I'm not post breakup has definitely been somebody that I personally thought was special. There was something about them that, that I went after. Um, I'm sure everybody tells themselves mm -hmm. that though. I, and who knows? I, am I so self aware that I could even identify if they were just, certain things about this person that I needed that deep down inside I was trying to fill this hole yeah. of like, hey, you know, they remind me of my mother. My mother didn't love me enough. Damn it. Yeah. Like, I, but I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't, I can't I don't, stop getting existential in this one. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't, <laughs> I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I can't relate to and I don't understand people who cannot be alone. I, I don't, and, well, this, and, yeah, this is and I, and, I've judged them in the past real harsh, and now that I'm older, I'm like, you know, I really shouldn't have judged them. It's just I don't – it's what I should have said instead of, what are you, fucking – what are you, a 14-year-old girl? You, 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 can't, you have to constantly be in a relationship and be overlapping relationships. I should have just said, I don't understand it, dude. I'm not built that way. I mean, I – for whatever reason, I understand I'm not that good of a person in a relationship because I'm not that easy to get along with and I don't compromise a whole lot. And that's not a recipe for a good it's, relationship. Right, but compromising for the rest of your life is not really healthy for a person either. I mean, ultimately, we're transitioning. This is part of a transition that we're having in America. Maybe this is tied to the bigger picture that we're talking about. It all comes back to the statistics in this article. But we are transitioning to a, a period where, well, first of all, we've blown apart the traditional family structure. And we're only now starting to accept that there are just people who prefer to live alone. Doesn't mean that they're chaste. Doesn't mean that they never have sex, that they don't have relationships either. They're just not interested in moving in with each other, making that next step. They're fine where they're at. And you know, maybe they have a couple relationships. Maybe they have one really long-term relationship that is just people living the rest of their lives in separate houses and having their own space because 
that's how they want to live. And it's yeah. not a right or wrong thing. That's okay. No, we're, we're starting to overcome that, that we're not so much judging those people as outsiders. That if you don't have a family uh, that, and, and you're, uh, you know, a, a together family, a ma- married mother and father with a couple of kids, then you are not in the system. You are not, you're not doing what the norm is in this country, so to speak. If you got an internet connection, you ain't fucking. That is a choice. Yeah. At this point. Yeah, in, in our existence. Well, whether you know yeah, it or I mean, whether you know it or not, I tell is myself story. it's a choice. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll put it this way: I have a friend who, uh, it, it, when he died, he was roughly about seven hundred pounds. This was a big boy, and through the internet, and he was big all his life. I mean, even in high school, he was like you know six four, and he was like two eighty, but he wore it well. And as he got older. It just got his weight got out of control. But I mean, so you'd think that a guy like that would never be able to find a relationship. This guy was constantly in relationships and it was constantly through the internet. He found people. And I mean, it started off. His first one was a chick that lived across town and it was a chick who lived a couple States away. Then it was a chick who lived in Texas. And then the last one was a chick that lived in fucking New Zealand. Oh, I was waiting for Canada to come into play. No, he, it's not a John Hughes movie, but and I'm like, <laughs> And I'm like, dude, you know, I'm like, you know, Ray, no offense, man, but, you know, dude, have you looked in a mirror lately? I mean, you're you're not exactly society's idea of, you know, body beautiful, G, you know, GQ model, whatever. And he's like, well, I just, I, you know, I, I don't feel right unless I'm in a relationship and blah, blah, blah. And so any woman that would have him, he'd meet him on the Internet He'd either move where they were or they'd move where he was and they'd be together. And I was like, That motherfucker I, moved to New Zealand? No, but she aren't moved you here. also oh, a little wow. jealous? Aren't you just like that he could be happy just doing that? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. Sometimes, happy, sometimes it, ignorance is bliss. How do I put this? I was, I don't, I, look, he, I, I, he was my oldest friend. He was the one friend I had talked to the longest up until the point he died. Uh-huh. And, I mean, we went back the farthest, and we were in constant contact. And he was the type of person who always needed someone to take care of him, to be there for him. Right. You know what I'm saying? That was the type of person he was. So I was happy that he had that because on his own, he was no good. There, exa- it, it, Basically, that's what I'm saying. I have friends who aren't, when they get in relationships, they're absolutely useless human beings. I'm one of them. And then I have friends who do very well on their own. And and then I have friends that's the opposite. When they're by themselves, they're a fucking wreck. They can't pay bills, you know. They they don't know how to do laundry, whatever the fuck, you know. And then they get in a relationship, and all of a sudden, they turn into Mr. Mob, right? You know, well, as long as they got their honey do list, they're fine, right. right? Even though we've we've transitioned in acceptance of solo life, we really don't have a model to give people of what it looks like either we know how to make a tv show with about a family mom and dad's together and they have some kids and they have some antics this is what it looks like do this be successful in america what what are the successful single people look like well even when there is a, even, when, even when there is a show he where dated, they're single uh, what's her name for like a couple That's seasons true. didn't he he, well, no, he was in and, and out of relationships yeah he was he was in a 
he was bouncing from relationship to relationship the whole thing from what i saw i only kind of dipped even, my toe in yeah i was never a big seinfeld person but even when you have a show that has a perpetually perpetually single guy especially as the single guy on it he's the player yeah. he's the or the girl joey what's the girl's role always looking always the bridesmaid never the bride yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because if like, I, I mean, look, I know it's a stupid show, whatever, but you couldn't avoid it in the '90s and early 2000s. Look at the show Friends. Like I said, I've Joey, seen every episode, so I, I can't okay. judge. So Joey was always, you know, gay. I think one one episode was he went to a chick's apartment. And he was like, I recognize the apartment, but I don't remember having sex with her. Like that was it was such a joke that they started being self referential about it. That was his character. And I mean that, that's that's pretty much what it is. It's either that or he's a loser. He can't get any. There's really, like you said, there's no there's no template on on television or in pop culture for a male or a female who's just by themselves, happy to be by themselves. They're right. not the crazy cat lady, or they're not, the, they're not the creepy guy with the fucking real doll. You know, it's just they're just happy to be by themselves. Right, or or like. Uh... Monk. There's somebody who lives by himself. It's because he's got some kind of freaking mental problem. You know, he's got obsessive compulsive disorder and he's hard to get along with. Yeah. And I mean, the older I get, especially after my, my divorce, I, I realized something after a couple of years of being single and being pissy about the, you know, how the, the shit went down. I was like, you know what? It's better to be alone than to be in a relationship that I'm miserable in just to say I'm in a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's and it's it's not only better, it's healthier and it's easier. Because the last two years of my marriage was absolute misery. Not because we were at each other's throat. It's just we weren't happy, but neither of us was going to throw the towel in first. Right. You know, neither of us were strong enough to walk away and oh, go stand man. on our own. Well, I also think okay, so we kind of made a mistake. Man, I so had a near divorce. <laughs> Like that's I still got lucky with that one. We kind of made a mistake in this country for assuming that our government could give us a template for a happy life. I think I've already basically said that. But you know, the whole idea of promoting marriage as a way of life and a way of being successful in this country is based on growth. Right? What do we need in America? Why did we accept... Make another consumer. Why did we accept so many immigrants? Make another taxpayer. Yes. We need the workforce. We've got railroads to build. We've got this whole uh, population of Indians to wipe out and build uh, huge buildings on their land. We've got shit to do. Well... What are you, British? Native Americans, please. Yeah. Uh. I was using the lingo of the time. Well, no. <laughs> British should be taking out a bunch of Indians. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day. So, I mean, we, we took that, we took what the government told us and said, yeah, that makes sense. And it was successful for a lot of people. But ultimately, the government doesn't, it shouldn't be responsible for giving us a blueprint for happiness. For, I mean, for success is one thing. Promoting success in your, in your, uh, in your country of the of the people has a lot to do with well i mean like what well, things that we were talking about earlier healthcare or just support so called uh um entitlement programs that 
end up, if you just look at numbers, being a cost savings over alternatives of having people resort to crime, be imprisoned, be a drag, be a higher uh, drag on your tax dollar. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it's... I, I, well, well, that's how there's so many tax incentives to be married and have children because it's... It, it Yes, it ultimately is doing... It's it's like you get creating a tax base, keeping a tax base going. It's it's the government is like, hey, yes, get married, have kids, because that keeps so many enterprises going in this country. That keeps so many, you know, institutions going in this country. I mean, if you if you we took need- marriage, if you took marriage and divorce out of this country, there would be a glut of lawyers not knowing what to do with themselves. They would be flipping burgers and dropping fries. Because, I mean, there is a whole industry devoted to getting married and getting divorced. Right. And, I mean, those industries are huge. And there's a very small industry that's devoted to keeping you married. That should tell you all you need to know. They know they're going to get the money when when you get married, and they know they're going to get the money when you get divorced. There's no money in keeping you married. But at the same time, hey, get married. We'll give you a little tax break here, a little tax incentive, and we're you know have kids. We're going to do this, blah blah blah. But that, that perpetuates society, and I think we've evolved past that. We don't need that to to run society anymore. We don't need to you know get married at twenty and you know yeah. pop out a couple kids and die at fifty five. Right. We evolved enough as a species to. Uh, We've evolved past our usefulness for religion in this country. I firmly believe that. And we've evolved past certain limits of the government as well that we have to learn to accept. It's, you know, certainly we all want to... I'm happy to pay my tax dollars to know that I am well defended in a country that promotes business in a way where I seem to be able to find good jobs out there. And But $54 billion? What? Yeah, no. I mean, that's a whole separate subject. I'm yeah. just talking because I'm with you there, but I was like, oh, that's a little no, excessive. No, I'm I'm not I'm not anti-government. I'm not saying that the gov- that I've I've personally evolved beyond the the need for government that I should be some kind of sovereign citizen. Just an understanding. No, because I'm not dumb. Because uh, like someone's getting the bill for those electric bills for the fucking street lights for the traffic lights. Mm-hmm. Policing, you know, someone's paying the cops. Someone's paying for that cement when they repave Masonic. Yeah, you know, like someone's got to pay those. Like, like I'm not dumb, comes, but but we also know, like, you know, monkey see, monkey do. We evolved from monkeys, and a major part of our learning and our understanding of what our capabilities are are involved in seeing other people. So, again, you know, well, you're if. There goes our creationist audience. If you uh, if you fed into the the government system by getting married and having a couple kids, and then you fed into the uh, um, uh, no, God, what's the word? <laughs> um, the uh, capitalist system. Sorry, it took me a second there. And then you fell into the, the the capitalist system when you got divorced, and you know funneled some money into that system and then you get spit out the other end 
And what do you do from there? It seems like you get penalized from straying from the path that they know. want. I mean, you know, from what I see from other people, you either uh, pine after your ex-wife forever while you fuck a bunch of random women, or you just bounce from failed marriage to failed marriage after that. Patrice O'Neill on Mark Maron's podcast before he died uh, gave a uh, described Hollywood and fame in this analogy, and I think it kind of applies to what you just said about you know you you get married. You go through the divorce, you go through the grinder, what do you do after that? The way Patrice O'Neill described Hollywood is there's a line of people waiting to to get to the beast, and the beast is Hollywood. Yeah. And the beast eats you up, you get in the belly of the beast, and that's when you're that's when you're making friends money. You're making a million dollar an episode or or, you know, shit like that. And then the beast shits you out and it's done with you. And a lot of people go and get back in line to go back through it again. Because even though they got chewed up and shit out, they tend to forget that and they remember the, the, the good things that came with it. So they're willing to go through the whole process all over again. And to me, that's where I, when I saw what happens with marriage and divorce, and I saw my parents go through it three times each, and I went through it once, I was like, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I could never be with a woman who said, my end goal in a relationship is to get married. Then we don't need to be together. Because that will never happen with me again. I will not compromise on that. There is no excuse. I, I, if you want children, then we don't need to be together in that way either. I, yeah. I don't want any more children. I have all the kids I, I need. That I can say never to. Yeah, I would never have more children. I can't see myself in a situation where I would get married again, but I would never say never. I mean, people never stop changing. Now, now I'll take that back. Now, I, I, when I say married, I mean married in the sense of... We go down to the courthouse, we make it legal. If you want to have some sort of commitment ceremony and invite the family and have your little wedding day, I have no problem with that. Okay, but I am not involving the government in my love life ever again. Damn. It's not happening. Yeah. Okay, they can fuck off. It is none of, it is none of their business what the fuck happens in my relationship. And that's just, that's just how I feel about it. Right there, I'm a hardcore libertarian. You want tax breaks? Incorporate. Fuck this marriage shit and the government fucking encouraging you to get married. It's horse shit. Because in the end, they know they're going to make their money when you get divorced. That's the only reason they do it these days. And that's cynical, but that's just how it's... I think if you look at the facts and you look at the numbers and you you take emotion out of it, you will see that I am right on this. I'm just emotional about this issue. So, I mean, that's... That's a no-go. But, I mean, I, I do see it. I see it. I see my friends go through divorces, lose everything, and then go into, like, a manic dating episode, like someone who's, like, bipolar would, and, eat, like, quickly get engaged, quickly get married, and then, boom, they're right back into the into the rut of the lifestyle they were in with their first marriage, with their second marriage. Right, because not being part of the system also. I'm saying, Well, again, there's plugging the hole. But there's also not being part of the system is failing, right? You want to be successful again. You want to get back to that part in your life. I mean, exactly. I, I understand that drive. There is a period in my when my life when I was married. There's a good portion of that where I was also doing rather well. Went up in, the, in my position in my job, and I saw that the, that was actually the most money that I've ever made in my life. And a lot but, of people confuse 
cor- correlation with causation. Right. Well, so they think, you know, I got to get back to that. I got to, you know, I, I have to be seen as a stable person again. While we don't have the same stigma on it. Where you, you know, the stigma on divorce wasn't just about, well, people will talk. What will people think? What does the church think? What does the Pope think? It's also, what does your fucking boss think? And how is he going to think about sending out a divorce schlub on a, you know, a sales meeting? How is he going to think of how competent is that guy? Is that job? We want family men in this business. Now, we don't have that so much. Or maybe it's just not spoken about as much. But... Certainly, there's not such a, a, a stigma, as much of a stigma on a divorced individual as we used to experience in this country. I mean, it's still but, there a little bit, because if you fill out paperwork for government things, it'll say, are you married, single, or divorced? Yeah. What the fuck does, if I'm divorced, if I'm divorced, I'm single. I always I always check single. Fuck you. It doesn't it matter if I'm divorced. Yeah. It doesn't that's, define that's a good me. point. I just went ahead and checked the divorce box anyway, but... I, I think I'm going to check the single box now that you said that, Rich. <laughs> I mean, because what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Nothing. It's not like... Right. I, it's not like, oh, I get a tax like, break for being divorced? Is there one? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, the minute you got divorced, your car insurance went back up, your, right. your health insurance went back up, your taxes went back up. So, what's the, so why is there a divorce box here? Uh, what is it? It's just... It, oh, it's it's one of them subliminally, we're, hey, we're going to fuck with you a little bit. Go ahead and check that. And you look at that and go, oh, I should probably end up married again, shouldn't I? Because it was so great, wasn't it? I'm just going to start drawing in an extra box that says other and checking that one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> none of you. <ya. laughs> well, real, <laughs> be- real quick before we... Uh, this we, turned into we, a podcast for two. <laughs> real quick before, real quick before we, we wrap it up. Um, yes. You, we had brought up right before we went on air about the whole Trump and oh, Mars thing. Oh, there he is. I'm sorry, the, the Trump and what? Here he is. And Mars. Oh. oh. You want to go to Mars? Giving us an option. That's, that's, that's what I took from it. Yeah, maybe okay. I wasn't supposed to. Hey, everybody, look. <laughs> We're working on an option. Uh, it, here's my hot take on Trump and Mars. It's not enough. Okay, well, here's Chris said, "What the fuck is it with conservatives and Mars?" Because you had I think I said that. Okay, okay, well, what yeah. do you did? You, you know, you wasn't, had it, w, wasn't it Bush? Yeah, yeah, you had W, who's we're going to be in Mars, we're going to be in Mars by 2020, which ain't going to happen. No, nope. and and now you got Trump saying Mars, and I said I have I have a theory on it, and it's my theory is most techies I know want the trains to run on time. They don't care how, but when it when that when that when that train's supposed to be there at ten fifteen, they want it there at ten fifteen, not ten fourteen, not ten sixteen, ten fifteen. And I think this is Republicans kind of trying to troll for people who are maybe moderates, but they're more on the tech and science side of things and going, Hey look, you know, we can uh we can do advances in science too and, and cut funding to NASA at the same time. You know, which doesn't make any sense. It's counterintuitive, but I really think it's a it's a ploy to get to get people who are politically moderate, not religious, more on the STEM side of things, to 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 
kind of come on over to the, you know, to the Republican side. Hey, look, we're forward thinking too, you know, because the space program to a whole generation of people is associated almost exclusively with the Democrats because of Kennedy saying by the end of this decade, we're going to put a man on the moon. You know, that's not a, necessarily us. That but. is interesting. I wonder how many people that are involved in this uh, in the STEM industry, as you say, uh, how many of those people are politically active or even just all that politically aware? Well, you remember, Ken, th- remember Ken Bone during the uh, the debates, the guy in the red with the mustache and the right. red sweater that stood up. Yeah, he was he was a techie. True. He was he was. How can we not was, remember Ken? No, I mean I'm not. He saying was that. undecided, and I mean I think those are the type of guys that he's he's kind of fucking casting his net for and hoping that he he reels in it. I think. A couple. Yeah, you're more logically minded people who aren't automatically going to just uh, necessarily believe anything somebody says just because they're a Democrat or a Republican. Yeah, I don't know. That's and, my take on it. And I mean, I would I would imagine that just like when you know uh, I heard interviews with with that you know Ken Bone, they were like, well, what is what is your what is your issue that you're going to decide on this? who you're going to vote for and he said there is excuse me he goes there is no one issue I think that is also one of the things that that, poli- that, that that politicians are starting to realize is that yes you have people who are one issue voters it's just they are so passionate about that issue that's what's that's how they're going to vote whatever side agrees or disagrees with that issue but then there's a lot of us who are like no it's a it's a it's a spectrum of things it's no one thing is going to get me on your side. And even right. if I do vote for you, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm on your side. It just means I agree with you more than I agree with the other person. Right. I mean, it, isn't this really just about everything kind of comes down to how are we going to spend our money, right? We've got all this money that we take, we've taken from everyone. How are we going to spend it? Let's all decide. And, you know, let's say you're... Uh, in a family and you're like we should always spend for more groceries always 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 well okay <laughs> but there's other things that need to be paid for in the budget as well we have to look at groceries as opposed to utilities cable bill uh, am I the only one else. that's just happy to be like hey look someone put money in the NASA for the first time so, in like no, but a what decade I, and a half what I'm trying to say is to think the idea that, well, one side or the other, sure, maybe one side or the other makes more sense to you, right? So that doesn't mean that just because you identify more with what the liberals are saying than the conservatives, that you therefore have to back them with everything that they say. No, ultimately, I think the party that makes a difference in this country is going to be the one that finally is able to call themselves on their own bullshit. And I'm going to, well, I'm going to quote somebody ain't, with ain't that. here. I'm going to quote somebody without having a source. Uh-huh. And, uh, you are fake news. And it was something that I heard on the radio. And maybe if you guys heard this, or maybe I even saw it on TV. Sometimes I get them confused. Cause I, the TV, <laughs> the TV is the one with the pictures, right? Not the always, picture box. I'm, I'm not always looking at them. You, if I'm if it's any kind of television news, I'm usually not watching it. Even Bill Maher, sometimes I don't I don't watch large portions of it. I 
play a game and listen. But anyway, uh, what was my point? <laughs> Who knows? Um, man, I really did lose it. You were gonna you were gonna quote somebody without having. Uh... I was gonna quote somebody. Okay, so one of the biggest criticisms of Trump is that he's so strident that even when he says crazy shit, he doesn't back off of them. That he can never admit that he's wrong, no matter what. And he's like, okay, well, show me the if that's if that's how you believe a politician should act. And I'm definitely paraphrasing him here, this unknown source. <laughs> If that's how you believe a politician should act, show me the politician who is acting that way. Show me the times that Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or Bill Clinton or Carter or anyone else has said, I was wrong, has admitted either error in judgment and decisions made. I mean, you'll get more apologies from the liberal as in, sorry, we wiped out all those Indians tested those drugs on all those black people, enslaved all those black people, you know, you'll, you'll get apologies for what the country has done, but I don't hear any more apologies for, hey, I was, turns out I was wrong on this bill, on this vote, you know? No, if I remember, no there's if always I... a reason. I was pressured. Uh, it was because of this and that. Well, there were certain things that I liked about it that I was voting for, but it, even though I didn't like this part of it. If I remember my history correctly, I believe Carter, while he was in office, did apologize for a few a few things, and that was how I, he Reagan said, was able to. That was how Reagan was able to slip in and portray him as a weak, you know, for the liberal, and we needed nation. to be stronger. Right. I mean, are you talking about? Uh, I'm, th I'm talking about like policies that he enacted or supported. Okay. I, the, um, I believe usually, the, the the last case that he cited was John Kennedy talking about the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis and how there were things that he could have done to even stop that situation from happening in the first place, and that he admitted that while he was in office. Well, obviously he had. <laughs> that was the dumbest yeah. thing that's ever come out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, okay, if it wasn't if it wasn't Carter, that was the was last job he had. <laughs> if it wasn't Carter, it was definitely Kennedy, and that was another. Yeah. Thing. And the Republicans jumped on him, as that's another reason he's weak on communism. He's weak on this shit. He's weak on you know as far as the military right. goes. Right. I mean, it, so you can't was, even say that I my vote was wrong, and I I've since matured on it because you're a flip flopper. Well, what they say instead of I'm wrong is mistakes were made. You know, uh, I was given, like you said, they have all these, I was given misinformation or right. or I was voting. It's always I made excuse. this compromise because if I got, if I compromised with this, I could get this passed, which we're hearing less and less right. of, by the way, and, and out these days. But um, yeah, and it's, I agree with you that. The party that's going to be able to be self-aware enough to go, hey, look, you know, uh, we're not always right and we fucked up and blah, 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 is probably the one that eventually is going to is going to look better and history is going to look back a little bit more favorably on. But oh, I, don't I, I don't even think in that respect. I'm honestly saying the one that's going to make a difference and possibly even either turn the Republican or the Democratic Party around or be an actual winning third-party candidate. I think that's what they're going to look like. It's going to be finally the, here's the straight shit. It's not, I mean, I know that Donald Trump got elected based on here's the straight shit. I don't understand that. And maybe we will never be able to actually correctly identify those people 
as a country because we don't seem to understand what what straight shit quote unquote looks like even when it's shown to us. It really, but, you know, but, I mean, but I, yeah, I believe that it's going to be somebody who is actually honest and provably honest. Here's the problem, though. I don't know if, at least now, in in, in the way we are as as a country, if we can handle that. Honesty is not something that we deal with at all anymore. We don't deal with facts. We don't deal with, with, you know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Blunt. I'm not going to say brutal honesty because we enjoy the brutality part in this country. We just don't. And and honesty is just a. It's just a. You know, whatever. It just happens to be there. We enjoy being brutal to each other, and we do it in the name of honesty. But it's not true brutal honesty. I think. Because, I mean, if we're going to be honest, there's a lot of things that are going to have to be said that is going to piss a lot of people off. And it's a very, it's it's a talented and very charming person that can tell people shit, tell people the truth that's going to piss them off, but at the same time not lose their support. Like, they go, God damn it, that pisses me off, but you know what, he's right, you know. And and he's going to, and whoever it is, male, female, is going to have to present themselves as, and we have to do better. And they're gonna ha- when it's gonna have to appeal to people's sense of, God damn it, yeah. It's almost a f- it's it's gonna have to be a parental figure that basically goes, yeah. I'm so disappointed. You're, you're right. S- yeah, but that, <laughs> I'm thinking how ludicrous it is. Like that candidate would never win. You're right. We're not ready for that in this country. I think that's it. I mean, it's not for lack of sane people. It's that we will not let them rise because they will always tell us things that we don't want to hear. All right. So, so anyway. Uh, that's all going to be cut out. How do we wrap up this show? <laughs> we so. say thank you to everybody who has been following us on Twitter at Unregimented Pod on Instagram at uh, I believe it's just at Unregimented on Instagram. Uh, maybe it's also Unregimented Pod. No, I think it's just Unregimented. Let's look into that. Uh, you can email the show Unregimented at ChristopherMedia.net. Let's look up Unregimented. There can't be many. Yeah, I know, right? There's three or four. We're probably the top one. I, I think unregimented podcast will get you immediately. We're the first hit on Google. Yeah. So yeah, all I know is whenever I any any podcast titles we've come up with, I don't know, I, we punch them into search engine, see if anything comes up. If it doesn't, boom. So we're usually the first hit. If you type in unregimented, actually, I can't. Oh, there you go. We'll just do a live right now. I'm gonna put unregimented into my Google search engine. Oh, well, the first thing that comes up is the definitions in the dictionary. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's the whole first page is definitions. All right. Well, Try a, we're a not more podcast. I'm pretty sure it's the first. Oh, there you go. Page. We're second page Google. Damn, it. <laughs> right Damn you, Webster. We'll be as big as you someday. One day we're going to beat the dictionary. <laughs> but we're second page. <laughs> it's our Twitter. <laughs> wow. Hey, I gotta, guess I got to get to work on the SEO here. Uh, But I do want to thank everybody uh, Because We are Currently in the Middle of our best month ever Unregimented So yeah we have to thank Not only we have to thank first of all The people who have stuck with us Even through our hiatus People who have been loyal fans And some I imagine have even been Listening since day one Or have even maybe caught up Maybe they went back and listened because uh, they're all out there. But also, just as much we have to thank the people who are just finding out about us. And we ask everyone to continue to share 
one of the best ways to support us. See, like right here, we stopped. We stopped it initially. Retweet. Kept going right here. Sorry, I'm showing oh, yeah. Aaron something visually. I'm showing him statistics. There's where we came back, and there's this month. So shit's going down. People are finding out about us. And this month's not even over yet. Don, thank you. Thank you very much. A super fan. Yes, I've, I've, uh, she shared, uh, one of our shows and a bunch of people liked it. And I'm like, I don't even know who these people are. So that must mean that she's getting the word out. Hey. We appreciate it very much. We don't know who you are, but, you know, hey, if you like, uh, follow us on Twitter, share some stuff, hit us up, send us a message, we'd like to get to know you. And uh, we're on iTunes, we're on Google Play, we're on Stitcher. Uh, or anywhere you can find your favorite podcasts, mostly. ChristopherMedia.net, that's all you gotta do. Even if you just, if all you can do, if all you can manage is to just type in ChristopherMedia.net, the most current show will be on the homepage, you just hit the play button there, there you go, you download, you do nothing. Right, listen to it. And our website is, we, our website, we're about to have three times the traffic in one month that we've had, the first two months of the whole year combined. I don't know what's going on, everybody. Now you just sound like you're crying. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, I see, I'm seeing growth, all right? And I'm excited about it. These people are listening. And I'm pulling that for a drop. <laughs> oh, d- damn it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to be fair, I'll use it. It's a good quote. It's a good pull. But thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next week. See ya. All right, later, guys. If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.